Everybody, welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest. It has been a little while since we last uploaded an episode, but that's just because uh, life got in the way. I'm a homeowner now. You know, it, sometimes you gotta like take some time off from your life to move all of your personal belongings up several flights of stairs. You know, normal things some- that normal people do. Sometimes you just gotta do that shit, man. It's, it's just it's just how it be. And so for this super episode of the archie sonic digest let's have our my favorite guest in all honesty my boy aaron let's give a round of applause for him well well first speed thank you i i love that that you feel that i'm your favorite and as as i love coming on here and i love having fun with you and there's audio proof of that (laughs) there's audio proof whenever whenever we have our eventual internet falling out you know as as all good friends do online Um, I'll pull it up so I can use it against you. <laughs> Let's just hope it's not over a woman. That'd be very cringe. Yeah, that would be very cringe. Very cringe. Mm-hmm. Very cringe. <laughs> and um, uh, with that uh, clipping that will definitely be taken out of context, we have 10 whopping issues of the comic to cover tonight, which let me tell you, if you're an old head of the show, you'll think, like, the first episode you did, like, 14 issues. What do you mean 10? Super episode. Are you tiny-brained? Are you lazy now? No. Back then, there was just a bunch of nothing burgers in these comics. We're we're in the deep lore. We're in the heavy stuff. Before I we, we digest, I would like to, to, to actually rectify a couple things from some comments I've made. So, a lot of the blame I have been giving for the story and the writing and the general aesthetic of the Archie comics has obviously been me dunking on Ken Penders because it's fucking easy, right? Mm-hmm. But there is a lot that comes from the other staff at Archie that is responsible for a lot of the quality control issues and a lot of the, let's just say, uh, very interesting directions they decide to take things. Um, but, I mean... Penders is obviously a key component of this, right? So I would like to redact some of what I've said in terms of Penders being the source of everything. He is definitely a huge component of this, and he is one of the key parts of what's going on with this comic, but he is not everything. There is a lot of things in this comic that are the result of the Archie staff as a whole. So... I want to make that clear now because the next 10 issues are painful. When I say painful, I mean painful. We are getting we are getting into what I talked about. I think it was last time I was on where the comic is really taking its nosedive in quality. It is getting out of control how poor the quality handling gets. The other writer, the more main writer for the series, Carl Bowlers, I've said before he's very much like Ken Penders in that he does he is an ideas guy. His execution is hit or miss is the best way I can say it. I will say though that Ken, that Carl Boulders does not have a grandiose vision 
of, unlike, of Ken unlike Ken Penders. Ken Penders, he's, Jesus Vision, Christ, Knuckles. He's just sort of, he really is just taking this day by day of just like, I don't know, worst thing I could say is that he has like a bunch of like, uh, like four by three cardboard notes, sticks them on a dartboard and just goes, oh, Sonic the Hedgehog goes to high school. Perfect. Oh God, it's so bad. Oh my God, you guys are going to hear me tear my fucking hair out. Okay. I think we should get into it because us fucking holding it up any longer. We're, we're stalling long enough. Yeah, we're stalling. All right, let's go. Sonic the Hedgehog number 92, written by the aforementioned Carl Bowler's art by Mike Higgins. The art is very questionable. Uh, beyond questionable. It's titled The Wrath of Khan. Uh, yes, it's a Star Trek reference. I... Mm. 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 So... Mm. We'll, we'll, we'll just open. A figure is trekking down the desert as we see Eggman gloating about stealing the Sword of Acorns. Then we move to Sonic at the Forbidden Zone, seeing the spaceships that landed the last issue. And out come a group of overlanders, one of them leading them by the name of Kintobor. Sonic tries to stay hidden, but uh, one of the kids point him out. Then right there, a broken combat arrives and attacks one of the overlanders as Sonic smashes through the robot and rescues her. Meanwhile at Knothole, Jeffrey is questioning the Freedom Fighters to the missing Sword of Acorns. Rotor pointed out that it was that Mina said that Sonic was going to get the sword as she fakes a coughing fit, Jeffrey not taking any excuses and demands answers. We have to stop for a second, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. I have, I, I just, I'm following along like I always do via, via, via page, right? I, I look at these panels panel by panel, and it's like, bro, how much time did you spend on this? Because it's like every panel, there's something that's just popping out at you in in, in this beautiful blaze of awfulness. Like, 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 where do I even begin with the humans, right? The models they have are just they look like they're like 80. <laughs> they look like they're all old. Like this, this this young girl, she looks like she's like 80. The mom looks like she's like 100. <laughs> to be fair, that is her grandmother, so fair enough. I mean, yeah, but it looks <laughs> off. Like the way that her neck contorts and shit. The, the, the mouths on every character that's an animal just looks like they're, they're all like wide open. Like they're a fish. They're all pogging. They're all fucking. It's it's so brutal. It's so brutal. Shout out to Rotor for just immediately throwing Mina under the bus. By the way. Oh yeah, no. Rotor's just like, oh, you know, I just got, I just came back, bro. Like I just, yeah, I'm, I'm just here. I just showed up like an hour ago. I mean, like I went through a near death experience. Like I, I don't, who the fuck is this Mina? Who are you? Whomst? Also. Why the fuck is Jeffrey St. John such a fucking cuck? I have never seen a character in a comic be more of a fucking cuck than this guy. He literally, his entire existence is just to be a dick to Sonic. It's great. Like, what is he doing? Why is he here? Why is he such an asshole? In my heart of hearts, I'd like to say that obviously Jeffrey is jealous that Sonic the Hedgehog, some young fucking kid from the boonies, is the hero that took down Dr. Robotnik. And he, as the leader of the King's Secret Service, is just 100% constantly mauling. That's just like, oh, fucking Sonic the Hedgehog, fuck this fucking guy. 
He's he's literally like the screaming, crying, like eyes bleeding out of his eyes, Wojak. And then Sonic is just like the bloomer, and he's just enjoying himself. <laughs> he's just he's just vibing. Sonic's just vibing, living his best life. And meanwhile, Jeffrey. Jeffrey he's is losing just, every, it. every time it's not even like an on-site thing with Jeffrey. He just looks at Sonic and starts angry crying. Yeah, I know. He just he loses it. It's 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 ridiculous. Like St. John is a character that we have to deal with a lot more. Um Ian Flynn does a lot of really cool things with him eventually. Obviously, this is a very long time away. Unfortunately, the fundamentals are broken, so we can't fix Jeffrey St. John, but we can try. God damn, can he try? Which is what Ian Flynn always did. Mm-hmm. God bless his soul. God bless. Anyways, Eggman is over his monitors, seeing that the Overlanders and Sonic are like being a little communicative. Communicative recognizes the leader, his brother Colin, and decides to capture and roboticize them. Colin wonders if the bot was trying to protect them, which is a very weird thought to have since one of them attacked his own crew. Very r slash okay, buddy. <laughs> a hologram talks to the Overlanders, offering them sanctuary, obviously showing Eggman's face. In Robotropolis, Sonic says, hey, whoa, don't listen to him. He's gonna he's gonna do, do some weird things to you. Right as Monkey Kong shows up, and uh, this is the special art you're looking at right now. <laughs> When the boof hits, he looks like his head is caved in. <laughs> literally, the, his eyes? literally like, the, the grug wojack. He's <laughs> grug, bro. <laughs> no, we're I we're we're literally like eight pages in, and we're already dying of laughter. This is gonna be a. Fun constant this this time you guys have no fucking idea yeah i mean like when i when i was talking earlier about this like this is what i mean it's just constant shit like this that just destroys any sense of seriousness that the comic tries to go for in my opinion right now it, it doesn't it doesn't work they're the trying it's trying to tell a serious story but the art just like it's the visual versus tonal shift where it's just like all right i understand the story that's being told here but the art's not helping speaking of things that don't help uh <laughs> so the very next page right <laughs> monkey con tries to fucking like whack the uh, hologram of robotnik or well eggman doesn't work obviously it's a hologram as the overlanders are trying to run into robotropolis and in knothole jeffrey continues to question mina and then his cohort hershey takes over and through the uh, the little woman to woman they have she confirms sonic was the one that took the sword okay Back in the Forbidden Zone, Khan wants to raise Robotropolis. Sonic is trying to calm him down, and they engage in a fight, a little tussle. As the Overlanders are met with the Shadowbots, Eggman says, hey, don't worry, they'll lead you into the city. They move on as Khan tells Sonic, yeah, I just want revenge. Eggman raised my, my village a while ago. I want revenge, bro. Meanwhile, Sally is with her mom, Alicia, catching up. Saying that, yeah, you know, without dad being around and the kingdom being deposed, I basically had to raise myself and I ran the remnants of my kingdom in Knothole while also commanding a guerrilla army. By the way, that's one page. We don't get any resolution to this conversation. Yeah, literally, like, just one page, bro. 
Like, and that's it. I, I also would like to take special mention of the fact that there's like 50 close-ups on this page and they all the characters all just have the biggest anime eyes you've ever seen. Yeah, that's going to be prevalent. American Sailor Moon. Yeah, it's pretty rough. <laughs> oh no, no, so, no. Oh. So with let the me, over let me, let me do it. All right, so Shadowbots are telling the Overlanders, you know, please move single file. Khan's like, I have had enough of you and throws his staff. And in response, Sonic, with truly majestic art, where it looks like his his quills are being stretched out, like so, so they're like they're like elastic, like bendy. He says, "Well, I've had enough of Pokemon, but you don't see me complaining." Like, what? <laughs> that that's there's no context to this line. They just move on. This came out in like what? 2000 this issue like okay so pokemon craze you know it, we're reaching we're we're there we're reaching we're, we're there. already at the we're top there. with the we're pokemon def- craze we're, we're so talk- i top top of the pokemon craze first movie just came out right like late 99 and like probably we're already at the second movie maybe pokemon 2000 I gotta look this up. Ah, shit. We're going down a rabbit hole now. All because of one fucking comment of Sonic saying, Well, I've had enough Pokemon, but you don't see me complaining. Like, what the fuck? November 12th, 1999 was the release of the first movie. Then, um, the sequel, I imagine, was was probably released in 2000 in the US. Yeah. Maybe 2001. Who knows? I don't fucking... No, 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 no. It was... It was... It was... July July twenty first two thousand. So, but but the but but that aside, like yeah, no, this is like one of the strangest lines of dialogue in this entire fucking comic. Like, and that's saying something. Yeah, like what is this absurd fourth wall break? Who asked for this? Whatever. There's no context. Let's just let's chalk this one up to an oddity and move on. Khan uh, is convinced to leave, seeing the energy barrier over Robotropolis, and. Uh, Sonic is screaming out his name in frustration. Again, the art is very special. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's truly special. He is truly. like what? Fa- zooming in the face. He just screams, "Con!" <laughs> but what kid is gonna get that reference? I mean, it's already called the Wrath of Con. Like it's it's already set up. Whatever. Anyways, um, so that's the end of uh, that story. By the way, we're done here with that one. Yeah. And unfortunately, we have, of course, the story B, Ken Penders, with uh, art done by Lim and Amash. Thankfully, though, it's not a Knuckles story. I know. Uh, please refrain from uh, throwing a brick into your local Sears window. This is actually an adaption of Sonic Shuffle. You know, the party game that apparently oh. has a story? Oh. So, so, so speed... Real quick, have you ever played Sonic Shuffle? No, I haven't. I haven't either. But it's funny because I've been planning to, you know, get get a Dreamcast with my Stimmy. Still haven't gotten my Stimmy. Joe Biden, what the fuck, man? Yo, Joe Biden, where's his fucking Stimmy? Give him his fucking money right now. These bombs costing a lot for someone who owes me two thousand dollars. Anyway, <laughs> give him two thousand dollars right now. Anyways, that's aside the um, point. Uh, yeah, Sonic point. Shuffle. Uh, I haven't played it. All I can tell is just poor man's Mario Party. I yeah. could go either way. I'm not going to get into why, this. Why? Why? Why would you play Sonic Shuffle 
when you can just pull out an N64 or a GameCube and play Mario Party 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, or 7. Or even a Wii and play Mario Party 8. As God intended. As God intended. Mm. When you're with the boys and everyone's finna ready to get pissed, you pull out that Mario Party. Mm. And you guys get fucking pissed at each other. Don't play drinking game Mario Party. Don't play drinking game Mario That's gonna get real violent real quick. That's, that's no good. That we don't, <laughs> no, we don't no, like no, that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Sonic says, do not play drinking game Mario Party. Bad move. Bad move. So let's just do this real quick. The plot of... It's, it's just like the premise of Sonic Shuffle. Uh, fucking Sonic just has bad dream and then he just gets entered into this like weird liminal space by... F- fucking what's her name lumina lumina yeah, yeah it's Lu- it's lumina it, 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 she's she's just like yeah i'm here to serve as your guide and then this is the precious stone it, no, it's the gateway to imaginary world just my someone named voyage just appeared and used the precious stone to warp reality to her whim and then it just leads she leads sonic to a portal with tails knuckles and amy inside saying listen sonic you have to come save imaginary world and then it ends with like play the game with what to find out what happens next and this is really going to be standard for uh, adaptions moving forward yeah there's one in particular that pisses me the fuck off that we're going to get to very soon also Unfortunately. the very end of this speed i'm going to need you to pull up the last panel of this issue because uh purple amy cringe P- purple purple amy this why is, is she purple <laughs> Why is she purple? Mm-mm-mm. Purple Amy. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. That's a big no-no. That's a big Cringe. no-no. Crunch. Crunch. Anyways, that issue was whatever. Um, really not good art. Uh, and uh, that trend is going to continue. Sonic number 93. Bowler's Rider Fry Art. Out of, Sonic runs out of knothole only to get uh, snagged in a net ba- placed by Jeffrey. Placing him under arrest for stealing the Sword of Acorns and uh, refusing Jeffrey's order since he was falsely accused by him to, you know, killing Sally. Until Elias comes in since, you know, Sonic has to answer to someone. In Robotropolis now, Eggman welcomes the Overlanders to a city, inviting Colin in to his own suite in the palace. As uh, the former warlord Kodos is underground, flaunting that he's got the Sword of Acorns now. So now, back in Knothole. Sonic walks away from Elias. Jeffrey tries to chase after him, but Elias is just like, no, dude, it's, it's not worth it. Leave him alone. We'll find him later. And Sonic has the rare moment of introspection and says, yeah, you know, it just kind of was all my fault, wasn't it? All sure. right, all right, all right, all right. Hold on. Okay, so now, so now let's, let's take a pause because I think we need to talk about this, all right? I think... This is something that they attempt to do, and I don't think it works at all. The problem is that the issue with how they want us to feel for Sonic is that it's not justified, right? Sonic thinks it's his fault, but in reality, he's really doing the right thing. I mean, that's sort of the mantra of the Sonic series as a whole. Like, yeah, sometimes at the end of the day, the things happening might be questionable what's well, for the greater good that's that's a lesson the kids could be taught certainly when you compare it to something like the idw comics which i i've i've actually read within the past couple of months if you haven't read them yet and you really want a, a truly incredible experience for mm-hmm. sonic if you're a sonic fan it's worth reading mm-hmm. easily one of the best things to come out of sonic in in the past decade i would argue 
It's pretty impressive how good it is. Mm -hmm. They handle this concept so much better because Sonic's good will and good nature and desire to help people and do the right thing is flipped against him in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. There is no flipping of this, of this, of this idea, the idea that Sonic can indirectly hurt people because he's trying to do the right thing and help everyone right yeah the in the idw comics there was like real tension here we're dealing with like a world of zombies as a direct result of sonic's action meanwhile here sonic kind of just what broke the law a little bit he broke the law in order to um in order to go and save his uncle Right? Yeah. Which admittedly is a stupid thing to do, but he understood that the Sword of Acorns could be used to free the uh, roboticized uh, Mobians, mm -hmm. right? Right. Okay? And then Mina Mongoose shows up and fucks the whole thing up. So somehow it's his fault because he was trying to do the right thing, even if he did something stupid, right? And yeah, the Sword of Acorns is really strong, but just because it's really strong doesn't mean that losing it is at the end of the world. So, as far as I'm concerned, the guy who literally beat fucking Robotnik and saved everyone multiple times. I would be pissed, but I wouldn't be mauling out of my mind and freaking the fuck out. But no, because it's St. John. He has to make a whole fucking deal about it. If Carl Bowlers was like a little bit deeper, or well, no, forget that. If I was the one writing the story and I was plotting this out, I could use this as an opportunity to build Jeffrey's character up and or not even like build him up, but just more go deeper into the animosity between him and Sonic because the most negative reaction I could take for it is just that you can kind of have a scene where Jeffrey's like kind of scheming behind the scenes where you could say like, okay, we know Sonic was the one who took the sword. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to smear his name. Right, exactly. Because it's clear that Jeffrey has it out for Sonic because he hates the way that he acts. He hates the fact that he's free and he gets to do all this shit and he's praised by everyone for it because he tries to do the right thing all the time. Meanwhile, he has a stick up his ass and he's the one following the rules and he's getting fucking... F and he he's not getting any recognition from it except from the royal family, right? And nobody gives a fuck about him. Which is inherently something to obviously create tension. But the problem is that the tension doesn't exist. No tension has been established. This is the core problem with all of the drama in this comic. Whatever tension exists right now, none of it matters. It's all manufactured because effectively. Because like, exactly. this is definitely like one of these like cut and dry. This is a, a problem that will be resolved in this very issue. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like, okay, well, there's tension. So we have to resolve it somehow, right? And then they come up with the quickest solution possible. But there's no, there's no continuity. There's no, there's no meaning to the tension. Mm. That is why these stories fail so hard. That is why the Archie comics as a whole have struggled for so long now to really build up something that was even remotely engaging like the Endgame saga. Just to finish this point off, basically what he's not even necessarily regretting about like, taking the sword in particular, which I think is a good move character-wise. Sonic's saying, listen, oh, I don't regret taking the sword. I think, uh, like, I would have done it again. What I regret is now I've been cut off from Sally. Right, and that's the thing. Where did this come from? Why is this a, a thing, right? I mean, like, uh, romantic bullshit aside, like, that's all it is. 
And speaking but of it's which, pointless. it's yeah, pointless. Okay, all and right. Speaking of which, which speaking right of at that which. moment, Mina finds him. She says, "Oh, Sonic, I'm I'm glad you're not in jail." And uh, in her excitement, uses her super speed to run to him, unable to stop. Just conk into each other head first, and they have a little laugh about it. A little you can you can tell by reading this. There's a little something, little something being formed here. Uh, uh, uh. Could you, could... Oh God, I I'm not I'm not a fan of the 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 two panels where they're laughing and then they look at each other. Those those do not give me good vibes. Gross. Um, <laughs> I don't True. need that. Uh, so yeah, they're interrupted by Antoine and Bunny. They're bringing in Antoine's dad from Mercea, just saying, "Hey, uh, where's the king at? We're gonna deliver this." Nate comes up in that scene and says, "Oh, hey guys, uh, take go to Elias. He's the one in charge here right now. Uh, the king's recovering from an injury that left him paralyzed from the waist down. Sonic takes this the worst and blames himself for that incident. And also, in between all this, there's a scene where Arachnus is taking the sword of acorns from Kodos while he's sleeping. This that's important to know for later. So Sally's informed about the situation with Sonic uh, by Elias and Jeffrey." Sally is asking to talk to Elias about the situation, but Jeffrey pulls him away to talk one-on-one. And let me just say, remember how I was talking a little while ago where Jeffrey could have, like, done this little scheming to, like, smear Sonic? This could have been a perfect opportunity for that scene. So, Jeffrey kind of just lays out this incredibly fucked up and disgusting little speech, right? And I hate this. I actually do hate this because it it makes it makes me angry because Elias as a character is actually kind of okay. He's not terrible. I'm more sympathetic to his character at the end yes. of the day because like he was thrust into a position that he clearly was not cut out for, did not want. And then here you have Jeffrey coming in basically saying like, yeah, you are a poor excuse for the leader. You are not built for this. Sally is supposed to be in your position. But who am I to say? I'm just the leader of the Royal Guard. I just follow your orders. <laughs> However, direct quote, if you let me guide you behind the scenes, King Max won't be disappointed. This was a sentence that when I first read it, I was like, okay, we're going to have a character arc moving forward where Jeffrey is going to be this sort of scheming character plotting something. I don't know what could be literally anything, but he's going to have some kind of big bad plot to build himself up, tear Sonic down. I don't know who's to say, but then it just kind of stops here. And that's the problem because nothing is permanent. The the fact that the fact that 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 Jeffrey you know obviously kicks Elias when he's down right and then like uses it as a way to manipulate him and sort of by proxy take control of the throne mm. fine you have you have a moment of 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 well executed drama because now you have Elias essentially defeated mentally and you have Jeffrey taking the reins behind the scenes so he gets to do what he wants AKA he's going to turn people against Sonic in every single way he can. And he's going to prevent Sonic from, from having any agency or any authority. Which is what you would think, what a rational person would think in this situation, but no, as we'll see. So, moving on. Obviously, Elias takes this deal, defeated down on his luck. I guess the boy's desperate. Back in Robotropolis, Colin and his family walk into Eggman's palace, and, you know, he just asks, like, hey, uh... 
who are your extras, Colin? He says, oh, after Snively's mom passed away, I remarried. Uh, my second wife, unfortunately, didn't make the trip back. But the two with him are my mother-in-law, Agnes, and my stepdaughter, Hope. Hope is a character who will become very important later on. Mm-hmm. Just saying. She's kind of an XP in a little bit for a certain other character. But we'll get into but it's that's that's very 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 far, very very, very far back in Nahol, sonic rushes back to elias says all right bro like i admit it this is like my official turning myself in i stole the sword and i lost it i'm sorry i fucked up uh I, i'm under arrest now right to which elias says look you're you're a hero sonic you really are we're not gonna i'm not gonna throw you in the slammer but I will revoke you of your knighthood, and because you're a minor, you're going to be bound to the realm of Knothole. That's your punishment. Fine. Okay. So the best part of this of this of this uh, full page spread is uh, it's Jeffrey, you know, in the background, just peeking over Elias' shoulder. He's got this got got the got got the cuck smile on. He's like. You, you know, you know, you know, you know that, you know that one political comic where the guy is looking in the window and he's like, ha ha, yes, <laughs> yes. And that's, that's Jeffrey right now. That, that's Jeffrey. Oh my God. That is, and that is the end of that story. And now, of course, we are un- unduly burdened to move on to the Ken Pender section of this comic. And uh, we're in for a, a double treat. Ken Penders wrote and did the art for this story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I I like this first note that I've written is just quote this art is disgusting. Period. <laughs> You're right. It's so bad. So obviously we have the Kenders Pog face like dead set right. So in typical Penders fashion, we have Charmy and his wife. What what's his wife's name again? Uh, Saffron. Oh, right, Saffron, right? We have Charmy and Saffron talking. Saffron's like, and when, and after we're married, what do you say to having three boys and three girls? Like, bro, we're starting the fucking shit off with them, Ken Penders. What is the obsession with sex? What? What is the obsession with, with having these things fuck? Why do you want them to fuck? Bad. Tell me. Bad. Tell me. We'll never know. The man's the man's mind is an enigma. Any in any case, uh, that scene happens, and in the middle of this conversation, Knuckles just phases into existence <laughs> in front of them. Okay, so 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 listen. When when, when I saw Green Knuckles, like or whatever he's called, like Chaos, Chaos Knuckles, Knuckles or, yes, Chaos Knuckles. Okay, so the, it's so stupid. It's the dumbest plot shit. Like, they just made him green. Like, nobody knows why. But they were just like, fuck it. He's green now. <laughs> it's it's horrible. I, I can't I, take it. He was poured with Chaos Emerald energy. Okay, I'll accept that premise. Now he's green. Now he's green, like a Chaos Emerald. I get it. I get it. I have, I a, sing- get it. I have a single digit IQ. Yeah, very, very intelligent. Charmy, upon seeing this mess, goes like, Hey, dude, uh, what the fuck is going on? Why do you look like that? <laughs> As uh, Bro, bro, why are you green? <laughs> what the fuck happened? Knuckles, my man, I think you got, I got, I think you got into the supply a little bit, you know? <laughs> he I, went oh. too deep, bro. <laughs> he went too, too deep. And uh, 
Nick and Knack are spying in on them from a distance. And all the while, Knuckles catches Car- Charmy up on, you know, what's been going on, uh, yada yada, life is dumb, uh, life is pain. As Knack walks out, uh, feigns the need for help. I want to point this out too. The background of this art is literally just... <laughs> it's so a- bad! It's literally just a Photoshop of like the a- ocean! Uh, it's so funny! <laughs> what is this? Like, I- Wait, what the fuck, dude? Like, I- okay, look, listen, like... I've seen so many different kinds of lazy art. This isn't the top lazy, but it's it's up there. It's definitely top three lazy. POV, you are knuckles floating on the ish on the ocean going to Brazil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look at he's he's just floating in the ocean. It's I I have no words. It's horrid. It's it's truly a work of 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 like Oh, and, and that's not even the, like, fucking mention. Like, the panels below, right? Where Charmy and Saffron literally don't even look like bees. They just look like dwarves. It's awful. Yeah. Like, they... It's like, it's like Penders is not even trying to have them look like, like anthropomorphs anymore. They just look like people. Yeah, so, all in all, Nick, N- Knack is just threatening Knuckles with a knife, like, follow me or else Nick will shoot Saffron and Charmy, like, in the head. They're in the crosshairs, it's, it's right there. We've seen guns before, this is trite, Ken Penders, come on. If you want to shock me, you gotta get a little more original. True, true, true. And... Knuckles complies and is quickly arrested by Galana and Yanar to be taken back to Albion and and the moment subjected to the Chaos Siphon. That's the end of the story, but I still can't get over the photographic backgrounds, Ken. Bro, bro, it has the energy of like a high quality, like perfectly constructed shitpost, but it's like not. It's so powerful. I hate it. I can't believe that it's real. I can, unfortunately. Do you do you want to know what like the best part is? If you really look through a lot of the shit in this issue, or at least in, in the Knuckle story, so much of this art is just shitty PNGs that they're sitting on top of. Yeah, Ken Penders, you couldn't even like layer your stuff properly. No, Man. no, bro. Man. He was done. He said, "No, I'm out on this one, bro." Just put some PNGs. <laughs> All right. Fuzz them up a little. All right, you got your check, Ken Penders. I can't... All right. I'll, I'll give you that. You win this round, Ken. You win this round. All right. We have... We we are here. All right, we got to talk about the cover. Sonic number 94. Bowlers wrote Friday the Art. The cover, Sonic and Tails are on model. Looks all right. Mina just looks like a how-to-draw anime girl from the early 2000s. What happened here? Tails' mouth is literally shifted off of his face. Like, what is going on? Rotor in the background! He looks like he's zooted out of his mind! He looks like he's so high! It's incredible! His eyes are, like, dilated in! It's so good! Well, you know, for the the content of today's uh issue right here, yeah, I, I think I'd understand why he'd be a little zooted. Yeah, I would too. So, obviously, this is the infamous school issue so let's let's get some some background right so we're we have a bit of a time jump six and a half weeks have passed sonic's been stripped of the knighthood and the royal title prince elias has made a whole lot of other changes around not whole newcastle acorn hospital clinic prison 
And the scariest of them all, public school. Direct quote, by the way, and he is absolutely Direct correct. Direct quote. Direct quote. So. So, Sonic is obviously upset of having to go back to school, you know, considering they're fucking war veterans, but I guess this is part of the punishment. Sally's arranging her new room and finds a picture of her and Sonic from the war, enjoying the memories as she's called to her family. Now in Robotropolis, Eggman has been holed up in the lab for the past six weeks as Colin asks, what are you doing in here that's so important than family time, Julian? To which Eggman says, ah, yes, you're absolutely correct. To which he ushers Colin, Agnes, and Hope into a living room setup. And Agnes asks, hey, why do these robots patrol the whole city instead of just the outer perimeter? To which Eggman's saying, direct quote, just in case the furries get in. Now, I need to preface something. Okay, 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 before you preface anything. It's fucking literal. It has to be. I'm telling you, man. It is a racial slur. Eggman (laughs) said a slur. I am being demonetized right now. Yeah, we're literally being fucking attacked right now. The furries are coming in droves. They're ready to downvote the videos. They've got their avatars with their arms crossed right now. They're coming in, bro. They're going to type a 5 million page paragraph about... About us. It's over, bro. It's, it's over. It's over. Please do not accost me. I am just a journalist. We're fucking cancelled. It's over. Shut it down. Yeah, I, I think it's fucking hysterical that Eggman unironically calls the, the Mobians furries and uses it in a derogatory term. Like, bro, do you not understand the only people really reading these comics consistently are the motherfuckers who care enough to keep up with it? The furries. Mm. The literal furries. Thanks for the self-report. Did, did you just fucking call me a furry, you bitch-ass motherfucker? <laughs> so anyway, um... <laughs> I'm a Sonic fan, but I ain't no fucking furry! <laughs> so... <laughs> Eggman asks Colin, so why were you, like, out in space to begin with? Colin says that, you know, the Overlanders went to space... After they lost the war to the furballs, another racial slur. Very cringe. Very, very, very cringe. Very cringe. And that story gets interrupted after an alarm activates, which shows Snively, of all people, being arrested for breaking curfew. And in Knothole, Sonic is unable to sleep. You know, preschool jitters. We've all had them, folks. We've all been to high school. Tails asks Sonic, hey, do you think you and Sally will be married in the future? Which, you know, that certainly is a question to ask a teenager. Sonic even saying, well, that's a problem for the future. Sally probably hates me right now, Tails. So it's like, nah, no way. No way, dude. But that still pushes the wrong button for Sonic as he shuts off the light. I would also like to point out, Sonic is a rad motherfucker because he has a race car bed. Who does not have a race car bed and also gratuitous amount of sex? They're it's mutually sex. exclusive. It's true. They're it's mutually true. inclusive. That's what I fucking, should have said. Fucking Ludwig, one of the most popular Twitch streamers in the world, has a race car bed that he sleeps in. You know how much pussy that man gets? Infinite pussy. <laughs> true. 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 <laughs> <clears throat> So the first shot of this panel, we get a huge view of Sonic and Tails' feet. Like, just right in our fucking faces. Because of course we have to see their fucking feet. That's all I'm gonna say, continue! (laughs) They're awoken by an earthquake. 
Sonic and Tails just... They just jump out of bed and just immediately rush in to protect the people in Naho from the falling debris. And of course, they're just like, yay, Sonic is our hero. Whoopity D. I know Jeffrey's molding right now. He's molding so fucking hard, bro. He literally cucked him out of his title, and yet, and yet, he continues to do right. Sonic the Hedgehog is just the Giga Chad. He is. He truly is. He is a Giga Chad. And uh, in Robotropolis. Eggman wakes up Snively in his jail cell. Snively's just like, please don't roboticize me. Please, please don't roboticize me. Please, I'm so scared. I don't want Eggman says, hey, hey, hey. I won't roboticize you as long as you don't rat me out to the other overlanders. And his reward is, quote, the chance at revenge to the father who never appreciated his genius. The next morning, Sonic and the Freedom Fighters are going to their new high school. As in Robotropolis, Hope is sneaking around, she doesn't trust Eggman, and comes face to face with a Robian, just runs off in a panic. And now in school, Tails is walking with a group of kids, notices that he's missing his bags, retraces his steps, and to the end finds a Thayer, floating head. <laughs> the first question Tails asks, not why a Thayer is there, is just like, hey bro, have you seen my backpack? Athair says, no time for questions, Chosen One. You're needed. And they just go away. I, I just, I would like to point out the fact that we are in this high school bullshit, right? And then, right out of left field, Cam Penders himself, as the avatar of Athair, appears and says, Tails, come with me. He's like, why? I need you for plot bullshit. Fuck you. And takes him away. No more Tails. <laughs> And, uh, no more. And unfortunately, in class, Sonic, Mina, and Bunny are inside. Sonic is looking around for Sally as Nate walks in, their new physics teacher. And also, I really need to point out there is a pretty infamous panel you might have seen going around the Twitter.com of Sonic biting his lip. That this is where it's from. You've got your meme origin for today, kids. Wait, I'm trying to see it. Oh, God, Jesus Christ, I forgot about this. Yeah, it's really awful. It's really awful, dude. It's not good. I also wrote in my notes, I have no idea what this emotion is supposed to convey. Still don't. I probably never will. I'll just move on with my life. Uh, Sonic is bored out of his mind, and after class, Nate asks, Hey, where's Sally at, huh? And Nate tells him, well... Yeah, look, Sonic, I guess you didn't know, but Sally is going to be getting private tutors in the castle. I guess the royals should not be among the commoners. Sad. And uh, that's the end of that story. You know, while we, uh, while, while, while we, we had that, um, where Sonic is now going to high school, uh, just like every fan fiction that has ever been made ever, mm. you know, Sonic goes to high school. This was the precursor to it, you know what? Yeah, it really is. This is, this is what spawned all of it. Mm -mm. Fuck. Thanks for, thanks for nothing, Carl Bowlers. Yeah, we're going to just go on with Story B. Both writing and art done by Ken Penders. Pain. Nick and Knack, they just leave all this shit alone. They don't want to deal with this anymore. Charmy and Saffron try to chase after Knuckles, who's being forced to endure the Chaos Siphon, trying to suck the excess Chaos energy out of him. Gala Na orders the guy wearing the Siphon to activate it, and Knuckles actually seems to resist it, and power continues to grow from it exponentially. Charmy and Saffron distract Galana and the Siphon Operator, somehow causing the flow to reverse and free Knuckles. And now Knuckles, in his chaos-powered drunken state, is just like, whoa man, I feel funny. 
and phases out of reality. That's when the cush hits. That's when the boob hits. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I can't take it anymore. I need to go. And he just... <laughs> it's so awful. And then Galana is like, well... That's fucked. Uh, let's get Nick and Knack back to hunt him down again. As they're flying in their ship, which is totally not the Millennium Falcon, saying like, yeah, we saw that. Uh, we're not interested. Uh, peace. Peace. We outcha. All right. That's 94. 94. We're on 95. Gotta talk about the cover again. Literally looks like Sonic is covered in fucking semen everywhere. Why do the spot? Okay, the spider webs look fine, but everything else about it, it's it looks really, 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 really like semen. Semen. It's really not good. Seven. So Sonic Seven. number ninety-five. Bowlers and Fry. They're the they're the tag team at this point. <laughs> oh wait. So first panel, right? All right. So so where where do we start with this one? So so let's start with Sonic. His eyes are like jetting out of his 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 his, his lids. Right. It's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then we got then we got the duck. Right. The duck looks relatively okay. Right next to him. Right. Fine. And then there's this, like, totally not recolor of Max from Sam and Max right behind him. Yes. Literally, dude looks like he could not give a fuck more about what's going on. His mouth is literally... Just a triangle. It's just a a triangle. triangle. It's a triangle. And the turtle next to him, same thing, right? They're all fucking poggy because they can't draw mouths any other way. Like, what the fuck? Why... I'm, I'm gonna lose my mind. I don't get it. Why are they like this? Why can they not just draw mouths normally? Why can't we just, like, have a normal story of Sonic uh, fighting Eggman? I'd like to know that question. No! No, Speed! He has to go to high school, and he has to have teenage angst, and he has to have drama, because it's what kids want. It's because it's a crack that they eat up. You're absolutely right. How dare I, like, how dare I question the integrity of these writers? Last bell of school, Sonic immediately rushes to the castle with, he's just asked Jeffries, the first one he finds, like, hey, bro, can I see Sally? Dude basically says, fuck off, get an appointment. Fuck off, get an appointment, bitch, and slams the goddamn door. Real sad. And in Robotropolis, Eggman brings out Snively to meet his father, as he gets a notification to which he sees Kodos breaking out of the sewer enraged over losing the sword of acorns and when i say enraged i mean the man's gone berserk lost all sense of reason he's just blind rage he has he has rejected humanity and returned to monkey he's pushed out of the city by the shadow bots of course so back in knothole sonic returns home you know says hi to his parents and all that like a good teenage boy but at night sneaks out with a plan And he runs into Bunny and explains it to her. And she says, All right, I'll play along with your plan to rescue the Overlanders from Eggman, who he believes they'll be roboticized. She thinks it's crazy, but is willing to play along with him. She flies him to Robotropolis, and they notice the Overlanders are all still fine for the time being. And upon returning back to the Great Forest, they hear a tree crashing. And they see this tree crashing being the result of Kodos and Arachnids fighting. And in Robotropolis, Snively comes to Eggman saying, Hey, man, like, why haven't you, like, roboticized all the Overlanders yet? What's going on here? And shows him some kind of mech, saying that it's a far better use for their overextended family, quote-unquote. 
as Hope in the middle of the night wanders to her grandmother's room, explains that she saw a Robian freaked out with Agnes saying, listen, I'm sure Uncle Julian will have an explanation as they fall asleep. Then Sonic decides to get involved in this fight between Kodos and Arachnids, trying to push them away. And Kodos, in an absolute fit of rage, grabs Bunny by the ears, swings her like a flail, and throws her to Sonic's chest. Pretty raw. Pretty brutal. Pretty, 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 pretty raw. I'd say pretty raw. I'd give it like an 8 out of 10 in terms of raw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sonic tells, tells Bunny to leave. Clearly Kodos is unwell. He's not in his right mind. You are in danger. Go back to Knothole. And Sonic is going to use the fight to see why Kodos went mad. And that's where Sonic ends up in the web made by Arachnids, cornering Kodos, and she knocks him out, freeing Sonic. As a result, he then drags Kodos' knock body back to Knothole, unbeknownst to him that there's a series of spider eggs webbed up above. That's the end of that story for 59. Eh, I mean... It happens. That sure did happen. It's just, it's just kind of there. It's a you know, setup it's, story, definitely. It's a, it's a setup story. There's not really a lot to say. We, we kind of just, you know, laughed at the beginning, but that's really it. Okay, so now for the real, uh, real crazy shit. The real, the real reason you're listening to this fucking podcast, the Ken Penders bullshit. And of course, he did the writing and the art. Why do I even need to say that at this point? Knuckles, uh, I still felt the need to point out in my notes. His fur is still dyed green. Streams that his insides are tearing him apart, and don't worry, Knuckles, I relate after I have a nice meal of Taco Bell. I- no, 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 bro. No, 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 no. Knuckles is suffering from the struggle of No Nut November. <laughs> Ooh, you, yep. That's why That's why he's turned green. It's yeah. just, it's, it's, dude, his intellect is too high. It's just like Locke told him. <laughs> You're absolutely if he right. goes too long with, without, without expanding his intellect, he's, he's just going to get greener. <laughs> and then it's at that moment, too, when Tails phases into existence nearby, thanks to it there. Tails is like, dude... I, you okay? Well, what's wrong with you? And Ather says that he is evolving, and it's He's all evolving. part of the plan. And Knuckles, in pain, lets out a tidal wave of energy from his body, Ather protecting Tails in the moment, and when able to see again, Knuckles is nowhere to be found. Ather warps Tails to the floating island, following Knuckles. Tails continues to try to talk some reason into him. I want to help you, man. Knuckles screams, go away, there's nothing you can do, and just punches Tails, fires a chaos beam at him, knocking Tails out under rubble. Tails is dead. And then Athair brings him to his uncle, Merlin Prower, saying that his time as the Chosen One has come, and Merlin, you gotta bring this out of him. Alright, listen here, motherfucker, I'm gonna give you some straight shit here. It's not Tails' fucking problem to save the Echidnas from their problem. That's Knuckles' job. So shut the fuck up and leave this alone. Merlin is fucking right. Fuck the Echidnas. They're a bunch of racist xenophobes. And they've done nothing. This whole series. What have they done? Nothing. They've done literally nothing. Knuckles is the only one who's done anything. Fuck the Echidnas. He's, All my homies Merlin hate the is one. Merlin is 100% right. Fuck the Echidnas. And, and Athair's defense is only, quote, unforeseen events have altered the life equation, which is technically correct, but also fuck the Echidnas. I don't care. This is... 
Like, when you can earnestly say that, like, Merlin's defense is entirely, like, infallible, and there's nothing you can even remotely, like, say against it, it just proves how bad the echidnas are as a race, and how poorly they were written. Mm-mm-mm. And in other words, uh, Locke's genetic fuckery literally altered destiny, and apparently Tails was the ancient walker's backup plan. That's how I interpreted this. Merlin then asks, what can Tails do that the walkers can't? With a Thayer just dropping that, listen, hey, look, listen, they're dying. I have no power without the chosen one, and unless we act soon, worlds upon worlds will fall. That's the last sentence we have for this comic. We're stopping right here. No more. No more. Okay, so we are on 96. 96. Bowler's Ribeiro. Uh, we open with Dr. Quack reporting to Jeffrey that Kodo suffered from radiation poisoning, which affected him physically and mentally. And just mentions that, like, look, my staff just found him out knocked out outside. I, I don't know how he came here. To which Jeffrey says... I can think of one motherfucker who's the reason for behind all this shit. He's and then, molding. He's already molding. And he then, knows. He's ready to mold. He's losing hairs as we speak. Meanwhile, <laughs> Sonic is just having breakfast with his family as Jeffrey storms into his house without a warrant asking, how did he get there? Sonic just takes a sip of juice going, how'd who get where? And Jeffrey immediately gives up questioning and walks out. What a guy Jeffrey is. Immediately gives up. Although, to be fair, he, since he did okay. not have a warrant, any information he would have gotten would have been thrown out in court. I'm just saying. Think a little bit here, guys. Oh, yeah. And also, fuck Jeffrey St. John. Has Princess Sally contacted you lately? Guess not. Don't be late to school. Literally, what a cock. What a fucking cock. And he th fuck And you. he thinks he's so smug about it. He thinks he's so smart. Like, bro, nobody cares. Literally nobody cares. Like, bro, no one likes you. Fuck you. The only re the only reason you have this position is because your daddy was in position before you. Yes! You little fail son. All he's he a does trust fund kid. He is he's a, a trust fund kid. He is a kid. fail son. All this man has done is fail upward. Fuck Jeffrey St. John. All my homies hate Jeffrey St. John. Anyway. In Eggman's base, uh, a shadow bot sees a shadow of Sonic... And it's knocked over and disassembled. Meanwhile, Jeffrey and Hershey are telling Elias they're still trying to figure out how Kodos got to the realm. And meanwhile, at school, Mina asks Sonic to, you know, hey, help, help me learn how to control my super speed. You know, I, I think, you know, I could really, you know, you're an expert. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, maybe you can, hey, you know, hey. And in that conversation, Rotor walks in, Sonic asking if Tails stayed with him and Antoine last night, which Rotor says, no, I never saw him, neither did Antoine. And they're distracted by students who are running away from something. A shadow bot, which rushes into the school, prompting Sonic to fight it. And as it turns out, it was sent by Uncle Chuck, who gives him a message. The Sword of Acorns does in fact restore free will, and Eggman doesn't have it anymore. It was stolen by Arachnus. But before the rest of the message plays out, the bot is shot down by Jeffrey. And as Sonic is shooed away, later gets an idea after reading a comic book. Sonic can't be involved in this investigation, so Sonic won't. 
We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I, I would also like to point out, um, so if it, the, the panel where uh, Bunny is telling Sonic to leave it alone, um, Sonic looks like he was drawn by Tim Buckley. Look, just because you're correct doesn't mean you're right, okay? I... No, I, no, sh- no, no. He literally looks like he was drawn by Tim Buckley. Like, you can't tell me this shit. Does not look like it came straight out of fucking control at the lead. Look at the way Sonic is drawn. Yeah, you know, with the mouth and the angular lint. Eh. Yeah, it's 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 not a horrid. fan. Not a fan. Story B. Penders d- did double duty yet again. Merlin and Athair are basically just arguing back and forth with Tails what he needs to do. Merlin still is refusing to let Tails be involved with Aether's chicanery. To which saying now now it's getting personal. Merlin says. I already lost a brother. I'm not going to lose my brother's son, too. I don't want any part of your little cockamamie shit here, brother. And then they hear a voice in anguish. They don't know it's Knuckles crying for help outside, to which they then passes out, leaving Merlin and Athair to continue their bickering. Athair insists Merlin to begin the incantation, as there's no better time to deal with Knuckles when he's at his weakest, and begrudgingly, Merlin does so. And here's a little thing I need to point out. The incantation actually isn't printed. The editor's notes invites the reader to write out their own and mail it in, and the pressed one will see print. Which, that's not Ken Penders at all. There's no fucking way. The editor clearly stepped in and just needed some more fucking engagement to their letterbox, because that's this is extremely out of left field, even for these comics. Yeah, it's really dumb. Uh, I'm pretty sure the incantation is just Reddit moment, just repeated 500 times over. Uh, in my heart, that's <laughs> what was printed. Yeah, in my heart, that's what was printed. Just, just Reddit moment. <laughs> and then, and then tails and tails wakes up and he becomes uh, fucking Turbo Tails. Okay, so this is this is something that like I don't get. Why does he get a cape? Yeah, but like Super Tails was sick. Because he got the flickies around him, and he, I, was, he, he lightly glowed. I mean, I why, I, why does why why does I he... think it's just one of these like eight layers of removal? Because technically, Super Tails was with the Super Emeralds. They don't got no Super Emeralds, so they gotta compensate. I don't know. I don't care. I th- I only have so much brain power for these fucking comics. Knuckles is still in pain. Tails in his turbo form says, "Knuckles, I I just want to help you, man. Please, just hear me out." Knuckles refuses yet again. And just, he also feels out, we're not alone here. Who's going on? What's behind the scenes? Oh, who's behind that curtain? It's Merlin and Athair. They walk out, both saying the same thing. Knuckles, we want to help you. Just let us help you. We are your friends. We are your allies. And then Knuckles is just like, fuck you, no. And he tries He tries to take the swing at Merlin. And then Tails fights back. Yeah. Right? Surprisingly. Surprisingly, because he can fight back against him because he's turbo Tails now. Yeah, and Tails says, quote, you can't see from friend from foe right now, leaving Knuckles enraged to fight Tails, and that's the end of number 96. My man Knuckles is, uh, he's having a bad trip. Mm-mm. Yeah, he's, 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 he's seeing, he's seeing goblins. He's seeing goblins everywhere. He can't take it. The good stuff is, was laced, I guess. Sad. Yeah, it was laced, it was laced with Fent. He's gonna die. By the <laughs> oh, <end>. no. <laughs> oh, that went too we real. We regret to inform you that Knuckles the Echidna has died of a fentanyl overdose. <laughs> oh, oh no. No. Bad, bad. No, bad, bad, bad. No, no, bad. 
Eggman still has the sword. So for the mission, Sally suggests to reinstate Sonic and send him with Jeffrey's team. Jeffrey, yet again Malding, does not hear her out. Elias does agree to Jeffrey's position. No Sonic, just go find the sword. And they're sent off to Robotropolis. And so Sonic in disguise sneaks out of Knothole, finding Jeffrey's team outside, overhearing that they have wrong information, and decides to follow to protect them. In Robotropolis now, Colin introduces Eggman and Snively to their recorder from their star journey, Professor Cheddarmund, and end up sedating him and taking his data. At that time, they see Jeffrey's team in their spy network, but the feed cuts off, prompting Eggman to deal with it himself. Sonic uh, covered the drone camera with his cape, but the team is cornered by Shadowbots anyway. And so, Sonic ends up blowing the cover to help them, but Jeffrey immediately surrenders, leaving Sonic to play along and their perp walk to the castle. Cue the very powerful, very powerful panel where a ton of overlanders are booing Jeffrey's squad and the masked Sonic. Boo down with the furries. I still think it's a racial slur. I'm gonna, I, I feel like I need to bleep it out. I don't it's, know. It's, it's a fucking racial slur, bro. Like, it's, it's a racial slur in the context of this comic. I mean, we already had a hate crime decepted in this comic previously, so. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's right. We had, we had fucking, what was it? We had dog Nazis? Dog Nazis, also an echidna was gonna be lynched. It was sad. I don't. <laughs> I, uh, I I can't I can't believe that like I I had to remember like I had like physically blocked it from my memory and now it's like coming back to me like a, like a PTSD induced nightmare. Yeah, that the sounds dog about right. Nazis. That's about right. Oh my god, what is this comic? This is an official comic that Sega sounded off on. This was sold for money. This was sold for fucking money. So they're in the cell in Eggman's palace. Jeffrey asks the disguised Sonic, Who are you and why are you in the alleyway? Which... I don't know. I I, I I think it could take it doesn't take a genius to realize that this is clearly Sonic, but whatever. Suspension of disbelief, I'll just play along. I don't have the energy to fight back anymore. Neither do I. And Sonic calls himself the Sneak, a freedom fighter from Sandblast City doing recon when Eggman shows up to interrogate the team. One by one they were taken, until Heavy and Bomb were taken separately. And Sonic gets fed up and tries to offer an escape, to which Jeffrey refuses until they hear an explosion from Heavy and Bomb, which frees the team and gives an escape route. And they escape. They do. Eggman and Snively are seeing it on their network, with Snively admitting Eggman reprogrammed Heavy and Bomb to stage his escape, to which Eggman replies, Oh no, I did much more than that. Sonic escapes away, gets back to Knothole, stashes the disguise, Jeffrey none the wiser to Sonic's identity. And on the road back, Sonic is called out by someone unseen, saying, Freeze, Hedgehog, you're coming with us. Hard end to that story, and that's definitely a setup to something. We'll, something. we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it, it when we get it. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Story B. Uh, Ken Penders did solo duty. He only did writing for this. Ron Lim did the art. Doesn't make it much better. Knuckles fights Tails on, punching him right on the face, knocking him to the wall. Tails tries to push him back while Merlin asks to interfere before someone seriously gets hurt, 
where that they're saying no. We'll lose Knuckles' trust if we try to engage him as Knuckles shoots eye beams at Tails like fucking Cyclops. He's got he's got the the he's got the eye beams. That that's what happens when you trip on Fett. You get eye beams. <laughs> you get eye beams. Tails entangles Knuckles with his tails. Knuckles pissed even more so. Swings at Tails' cheek, knocking him out cold, leaving Knuckles to pummel his limp body. Like this is just a stop. He's already dead. Moment. Knuckles, like chill the fuck out. What are you seeing, bro? We need to get you to the, to the dock. Like, this is not, you're not on a good moment, bro. Knuckles then hears Julie Sue's voice call out to him, being concerned and just leaves him to warp away. Merlin goes for Tails, surprised due to Turbo Tails' form, actually is technically more powerful than Supersonic or Hyper Knuckles. So why was he just, like, so out in the count for this? And Ather is surprised to this, too, and probes Tails' subconscious, and reveals that the Tails Merlin is holding is not the real Tails. It's just some puppet. A doppelganger. A fair surprise to this. And Merlin is asking, well, where did this Tails come from? Uh, should we do something? Should we find him? Uh, uh, is Tails even still in this reality? They just decide, return Tails to his base form. We're not going to say anything to him or his friends. For the time being, let's let him live a blissful life, and we'll solve this on our own. That's the end of that story. What? Wait, hold on. I, I, I did not fucking realize in the slightest. How relevant does this become later? Very relevant. Okay. This is weird, champ. I don't know how to feel about this. Yeah, I, I... I remember where this plot point, like, ends up at, and, uh, I did not think that it would just be introduced as just an aside. <laughs> In retrospect, that's a Ken Pender special. Should have expected that. I, I just want to say, like, you're just gonna drop a bombshell that, like, basically the main secondary character of this series was replaced by some weird spatial doppelganger, and we're just gonna go, like... Yeah, we're going to forget about this. Let's deal with this on our own. Let's let them live his life. Let's let be blissfully unaware to whatever situation's going on. We'll deal with this on our own. Whatever. On a scale from 1 to 10, how bad is it when it gets resolved? It just gets resolved. Like it's not like good or bad. It just ends. It just it just it just ends. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of I mean, that's that's kind of that's kind of typical for for penders, but mm. like Okay, 98. We gotta talk about this. Yeah, we gotta talk about this, but I, before we get to the whole ish about it, I'm gonna say something positive here. Written by Carl Bowler's art by by our man Patrick Spazateam. You know you're in for a good time yes, when Spazateam yeah, yeah. does the art. The, the first half of this issue is very hit or miss, but the back half? Ugh! Beautiful. There's some excellent art in this issue in the back half. I fucking adored what Spaz did here with some of the art. All right, but... but So we open. Eggman's trying to invade Station Square again and gets chased away by Silver Sonic 2. He's chased to this remote prison island and falls into a cavern. And in this cavern was an old prison cell that once held his grandfather, Gerald Robotnik, learning that his journal was there and begins to unlock the holding chamber within. Some time passes, and inside Station Square, we see a hand twisting a safe lock, 
taking the Chaos Emerald within. And that one, we come to find out, Shadow the Hedgehog taking the prize, quickly attacked by Silver Sonic 2, and quickly turns it to scrap. It's a Sonic Adventure 2 adaptation, baby! baby. Except not really, because they pussied out, and they didn't actually do the full thing. So, a detective by the name of J.J. Moto, he's looking into this case, and brings the attention to the city president, who panics due to the fact that the Chaos Emerald was the source of the city's power. This detective hires Rouge the Bat, renowned treasure hunter, to track down this Chaos Emerald. Meanwhile, gun commander Hugo Brass assembles Team Sigma Alpha 2 to locate this thief. And... They think they do so by finding Sonic. He's able to outmaneuver them, but Sonic isn't trapped in an, an electrified net and just taken out, taken into custody. They're bringing him back to Station Square via helicopter. And inside this copter, Sonic sees a screw loose from the door. Once overhead from the city, fights his way out, breaks off the door, tears off the metal of the wing. This flight sucks. No food or movies? I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I like running better. <laughs> Falls down and Sonic runs through City Escape. And the story ends with Sonic being chased by the gun truck with the whole play of the game to find out what happens next. I, I, look. All right. Tip, so- I am so fucking mad. You gave us a fucking banger in the Sonic Adventure adaptation. You gave us a whole fleshed out thing cementing Sonic Adventure to the lore of this Sonic comic. And then you give a Sonic Adventure 2, the follow-up on par to Sonic Adventure story-wise at the very least, and you're really just going to give us a nothing burger of just like, play the game to find out what happened next. Are you fucking kidding me? Okay, so you know what? Before we even get into the discussion of this, let's let's, let's do a little detour. Mm -hmm. So, Speed, Mm -hmm. what's your opinion of Sonic Adventure 2? Good game. Like it a lot. Very fun. I enjoy it. It gives me dopamine. Now, I know the question that you really wanted me to answer is, do I think Sonic Adventure 1 is better than Adventure 2 or vice versa? My answer to that question is, I like them both. They're both good. I like them. I like it when Sonic does the spin dash, and I like it when Shadow calls him a faker. It's very good. I like it. I like live and learn. Me too. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a... I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sentimental about SA1. Mm-hmm. I like SA1 a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good game. I think that it is very much a product of its time and that the DX release which a lot of people that of our age grew up on. Mm-hmm. It's not obviously the optimal version to play. Mm-hmm. But you know what? For what it is, I like Sonic Adventure 1. I think it's flawed in a lot of ways, but I think it has a lot of character and a lot of charm and a lot of heart. Sonic Adventure 2 is like top 3 games. It's probably like my second favorite game ever made. I think Sonic Adventure 2 is amazing in every way. I think that it is a game that is flawed beyond belief. has a lot of problems. And all those problems have been documented very well by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I think that for what it attempts to set up to do, I think it succeeds for the most part. I think that it still has some of the best Sonic gameplay in any, ga- in any Sonic game ever. Its story, even if it's a little fucking crazy... You know, and, and a little silly. You know, like like uh, like like Doctor Doctor Robotnik uh, <laughs> telling everyone that Shadow the Hedgehog fucked his wife. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I had to bring up the Staff Cube. I had to bring up Staff Cube. I, you can't, you can't you, anymore. You can't do. One. Yeah, at this point, you can't have the Sonic yeah, Adventure yeah. discussion without bringing up Snap Cube. No, God, Snap Cube. God, God, God bless, bless Penny. God yeah, bless God Penny. Bless, 
God bless them. They're fucking hysterical. I... I, I am somebody who is a staunch Sonic Adventure 2 fan. I will be till the day I die. I will stand... I only say that. I stand Sonic Adventure 2. It is the only game I will ever truly do this for. I love it. There is clearly something here that they wanted to expand on. You can tell. They have the pieces starting to move into place. However, this is the problem with the Archie comics. Now, because the Archie story has overtaken the comic, and there is no way to naturally segment the story of Sonic Adventure 2 into the Archie comic, what do we have? A cheap cop-out, that's what we have. Right. And that's the problem. Mm. When the comic can't bend to the games that actually serve the comic, what is the point of the comic? Does it even... Is it even a Sonic comic anymore? Is it? Does it... It has Sonic characters. It has Sonic names. It has locations from Sonic. But is it Sonic? I don't think so. I think that it's ridiculous that they cucked us out of an SA2 adaptation when they gave us a whole Sonic Adventure 1 adaptation. And segmented it beautifully with the rest of the series lore. And for the record... For the record, because of the, despite the fact that it does have the weird cop out, and as we'll see in the next issue, everything in relation to the game is still canon to the comic world. So, like the whole issue of like everything you can think of Sonic Adventure story wise, it does happen in some weird way. Like it doesn't, yeah, because of like Knuckles' whole issue, he can't be part of the story and that's where you were coming from Aaron with the whole like the comic has deviated so much from the source material now it's like unrecognizable almost yeah, because 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 there is no bending right there is no bending of the comic there you can't when you when the story is not is not is not malleable enough to bend to the games which are the core of what people care about for Sonic that's how you know, in, at least in my opinion, I think you failed. Mm. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and say that the comics can't be their own thing. They can. I'm more than fine with the comics being their own thing. Look at IDW. Look at what Ian Flynn did with the comics after all of these guys left. And after it was him and his team with Yardley and all of them and what they did and how great it was. You can clearly do it. Mm. But the story isn't malleable enough to compensate for what they want to do with an adaptation. And that is the problem. Because Shadow is a really important character in Sonic. And he continues to be after SA2. And it feels like they just sort of hand wave him away. And it's... I hate it. I really don't like this. The art the art by Spaz... The art by Spaz towards the later pe pages in this are fantastic. All the stuff with Sonic... Oh, it's, I mean, it's, you can just hear Escape from the City blaring in your head as you're reading the issue, which, mission accomplished, that's a 150 out of percent. Yes, very good job. Yes, Love it. Yes, But, again, I think that it is pathetic that the, that the comic has reached the point where they can't bend to the games. Mm. The SA1 adaptation, they found a way to make it work. And masterfully so, might I add. They did, they did a good job. It's kind of all over the place. But they did a good job with adapting it into the comic world, and I can give them a lot of credit for that. Yes. Anyways, so second story is essentially the um, like the the, the shadow origin story, origin effectively. Story. Yeah. So yeah. it's 
by Ken Penders, art by Ron Lim. Basically, we're now looking at Gerald Robotnik in front of a tank, kind of lamenting of this experiment of his being this greatest success or failure and goes to activate it. He's surprised that it lives. His granddaughter Maria, and for some reason she has brown hair in this design, I guess they just got old notes, whatever, let's move along. And she's frightened by the power surge. She calls for Gerald and tells him that she saw a shuttle coming toward the Ark. Gerald, in a panic, calls for her to come to the lab quickly, saying that right now the experiment is too unstable in the current condition. The shuttle docks and the people come aboard. People from the Station Square military wanting codename Shadow to be in the military's hands. Gerald sends Robotnik... Or, Gerald sends Shadow and Maria out to an escape pod. She shoves Shadow into one, and in clear sight of Shadow, Maria is shot in the back, with the escape pod being launched back to the planet, which, by the I, I think it was, like, because her body fell onto the control panel, and that's why the, the escape pad was launched, which... That's definitely traumatizing. Come on, let's be real here, guys. Also, also to note, um, Mar- there is no, um, there is no context of Maria speaking to Shadow, which is arguably the most important point in the entire story mm-hmm. of SA Two, mm-hmm. which is a huge fucking blunder on their part. Like, I understand maybe they got old notes. But at the same time, it's like, how can you not include one of the most seminal reasons for Shadow's actions? Like, yeah, there really is no excuse for that, isn't there? I, I, I know Sega did not, like, work with them well enough for the for adaptions. They probably had to import a Japanese copy of the game and get the story that way. Fair enough. I understand that there's translation issues, things get lost. Makes sense. But, like, Maria calling out to Shadow, saying, like... The words that basically form Shadow's personality and reason to live, effectively. It's just not here at all. As far as we know, I mean, maybe they'll take the cop out in the future and just say, Oh no, Maria said the words just off-screen while they were running from the gun agents. Fair enough. But, like, I feel like that's pivotal information for the readers to get, you know? Angered uh, by the murder of his granddaughter... Gerald remotely re-engineers the Ark to ready the Eclipse Cannon to fire onto Mobius, uploads biodata to Shadow to be his agent of revenge. The military, they can't grasp the research that Gerald did after they brought him to Prison Island. They just say, alright, this dude's a threat, let's just, let's just 86 him, and abandon the island altogether. And none the wiser... Gerald left documents in a microchip behind for someone to find in the future. That's the end of number 98. That's the end of the Sonic Adventure 2 adaption. Uh, sad. Uh, a, a, wow. A fucking... A, disappo- a, a disappointment on all fronts. A, a cop-out on all fronts. They didn't even do Shadow right. They dropped the ball so hard. They were given... They were just given a lot of balls, and they just kept dropping them. I... I, I think it's pathetic. All right. So let's laugh a little. Uh, issue 99. So our cover is already off to a fantastic start. Yeah, it, this, this cover is horrid. Oh, horrid. It's, it's, so, it's so anime. Like, like, it's, like, what am I looking at? Is this Sonic? No. It, it's drama. It's teenage angst drama. I, like I said, I don't have the energy to question it anymore. I can't fight back at this. It's questionable. 
Look at this. Gawk at this. It's disgusting. Carrying on. Sonic the Hedgehog number 99. Bowlers did the writing. Eklundon Pipoy did double duty on the art. Sonic and Tails sneak back into their room for their from their respective adventures. Like as I was saying beforehand. Uh, Sonic Adventure 2 is effectively canon in some way, shape, or form. We'll find the details out sometime in the future. I don't know. I don't care. I don't they just... Fucking... They wake up, uh, they try not to wake up Sonic's parents, and they're robots, so mission one failed. They come in and turn on the light and just ask, alright, where have you guys fucking been? The next morning, the parade for the Royals is going on. Sally just looks on the crowd and you know, feels happiness for the fruit of her efforts. She restored her kingdom, she got her family back, and that peace of mind is broken when Jeffrey comes in to deliver some bad news. Meanwhile, Sonic's parents were taking out the garbage, and Jewel says, oh, you know, the stories of, like, Sonic fighting Shadow and, and Tails trying to help Knuckles, I, I kind of feel bad, like, being angry with them about it. Like, it's not their fault they were born with special powers. I don't know, I feel like we're gonna start treading on some territory with Sonic that we don't need to tread on, you know? Like, what do you mean? Explain. They're ne we never really felt the need to ask why Sonic has super speed or why Tails has two tails, you know? Like, that's not the point of the I, series. And yeah, if, we were to no, delve, it, yeah. if we were to delve into it, it just kind of feels like, why were we talking about this in the first place? Like, okay, this is cool information to know. Th and they're never going to address this, by the way. This is just a throwaway line. I'm just, I'm just puzzled. That's all it is. I'm just puzzled. This line goes nowhere. Mina just shows up and asking for Sonic. And they're like, oh, you want our son Sonic? Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. You're, you're cute. Come on, come with us. And back at the castle, Nate tells Elias that he was he managed to decipher Chuck's message. Arachnus has the sword of acorns, not Eggman. Jeffrey was in the middle of telling that to Elias. And also that Overlanders now inhabit Robotropolis. Jeffrey and his team go to the medical center to interrogate Kodos. They think that he will know where Arachnus is. Sally then walks over to a group of women in veils. And I, I just have to point this out. I genuinely don't know who they are, what they're supposed to be. I wrote in my notes that they might be like Elias's harem. I don't fucking know. Don't ask me questions. I have no answers. They ask for help. Uh, then she dons a disguise as one of them to walk away from the castle. And in the forest, Sonic and Tails are helping Mina gauge her speed. She can't control it. Sonic doesn't realizing doesn't realize this while he slits to a stop. Mina can't react in time and just crashes into a tree. Sonic sends Tails back to his house as Sonic tends to Mina. She's upset that she can't control it like Sonic can. And Sonic's just like, hey, like, relax. It's a learning curve, sure, but... Learning on the job, that's all it is about being a freedom fighter. And Mina is happy to hear Sonic thinks of her as a freedom fighter as she jumps him to kiss him, full facial, unbeknownst that a disguised Sally was walking in behind them. And here we begin the gross, unnecessary love triangle of this comic book. This is where it starts, and it's something that is fucking consistent for 60 plus issues. Yeah, this it, get used to this motherfucker. We're get not uses. stopping. It it you thought like okay, the Sally Sonic stuff fine. It's the will they won't they traditional bullshit. Okay, yeah, I can deal with it. Why do we have a love triangle now? Because we have to have Reddit tier drama. Because we have to have TV soap opera writing drama in a fucking Sonic comic. No, it's stupid. It's bad. Nobody likes it. Nobody asked for it. Yeah, even to this day, 
to this day, the boys on Twitter will still debate over why this whole love triangle was necessary. Rightly so, because this is not needed. This is not what Sonic the Hedgehog is about, fundamentally. Again, the Sally-Sonic dynamic, I can live with that. Will they, won't they? That's acceptable to me. Now bringing in a love triangle, it's just creating unnecessary drama, and I don't need that in my Sonic exactly. the Hedgehog. I don't nobody, need that in my life. Nobody, 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 fucking, nobody fucking asked for this. You know what? You know what's more engaging than this shit? I'm going to fucking say it. I'm going to fucking say it. Oh, he's about to And I mean it. it. And I mean it. The love quest. Chris Chan's love quest is more fucking engaging than the love triangle in this stupid fucking comic. We've went 18 episodes without having to talk about Christian. Oh, yeah. We're going there. We're going there. That shit more engaging and more intense than any of the crap in this fucking comic when it comes to the love triangle. You know what? I have to agree with you on that. It's unfortunate. It's a sad fact of life. But yes, you're absolutely right. I at least at least with the the Chris Chan bullshit, I can laugh. Here, I am not laughing. I only feel pain. Exactly. We will not speak of them again on this show Mm-mm. because we are too good. We have standards. Okay, we have fucking standards. But we must compare when a pe- when applicable. So, uh, Sonic is, uh, flustered by that. Sally walks away as Kodos escapes, still delirious, almost knocking out Jeffrey in the process. Should have finished the job, but that's just me. Jeffrey doesn't recognize Sally and says, send word to Elias, Kodos is going after the sword. And Sally takes off the disguise and quickly assembles the old Freedom Fire team's Sans Sonic, of course. Quack says that Kodos went insane because of the toxins in Robotropolis, which concerns Nate over the fate of the Overlanders. The Freedom Fighters then set off to find Arachnus in the forest passed out, and she speaks to Sally, asking to hear her plea. Nate separately finds Sonic and Mina, catches him up on the information, and Sonic quickly sets out. We then see Antoine and Bunny in Knothole Prison, overlooking Antoine's dad, Antoine's saying, look, as long as my dad is under Eggman's control, I don't feel safe leaving him alone like this. In that moment, Sonic comes to them and says, alright buddy, then I've got a deal for you. Help me get back the Sword of Acorns, I'll restore your dad's free will. Antoine says, like, well, that's all you had to say, I guess. That's the end of that story for 99. Of course the stories be, Ken Pender's back on double duty. Let's, let's just fucking go. Let's just fucking go. Uh, It's just, it's, listen... It's just exposition. It's exposition. It's all exposition. Yeah, Dimitri and the Legionnaires are flying over the over somewhere. They're, they notice the ship is being attacked by an energy wave. Two transmissions they see. One from the floating island. The other specifically of Knuckles, battling some unknown creature. Dimitri's intrigued and orders the, fi- the pilots to follow Knuckles' energy signature. Then Knuckles finds himself out of a ruin, and he walks in to find Julie Sue being held hostage by a Legionnaire but then sees himself coming to rescue her. And, obviously confused, the spirit of his grandfather, Hawking, comes to him, says, Knuckles, <laughs> Knuckles, my son. Wait, wait, okay. So, <laughs> in classic Ken Pender's fashion, it's just Knuckles with a cowboy hat and a scarf. Mm-hmm. And that's Hawking. Like, it's so funny. It's so funny. Like, what There's so much that? unintentional comedy that Ken Pender's just, all the echidnas are a copy-paste of Knuckles. You know what? 
that's genius. It is genius. It's truly... I could I not write time. better comedy if I tried. Yeah, I know, same. Hawking tells Knuckles, My son, you are quickly evolving, and with your power, you are able to bridge the cap between space and time. And then Hawking leaves at that moment, and Knuckles realizing that, Oh, wait, my head doesn't hurt anymore. I wonder why. And on the Legion ship, Dimitri orders his commissar, Lane Da, to retrieve Julie Sue. By the way... In case you haven't been following visually, this is the same character that's been referred to as Julie Sue's half-sister. Lane Daw is a very important character moving forward. Get used to her. Is this her first appearance? No. She was... She showed up... Her first appearance was in a Knuckles issue, but she was unnamed at the moment. Yeah, Lane Lan Daw is a very central character to... All the Echidna lore moving forward. She is a very prominent member of the Dark Legion. And she's also really, really important in general. So, uh, yeah, so get used, so like Speed said, get used to seeing her. She asks, what does Julie Sue have to do with all this? More than she knows, Dimitri replies, and notices that they lost Knuckles' energy signature. Only for Knuckles to pop right in behind them. And Dimitri's like, oh shit, Knuckles, my, my, my beautiful nephew, welcome. As Knuckles demands to know what he did to the floating island and what happened to his missing friends. That's the end of Knuckles number... Or, I, that was a fucking Freudian slip. God motherfucking damn. Sonic number 99. What are you talking about, Speed? It's Knuckles number 99, Smile. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, God. Ken Penders, please don't assault me in my <laughs> The nightmares. convergence is approaching! Maybe Chris Chan was right. Maybe the dimensions are finally merging. No! <laughs> we can! We can! <laughs> That's some deep lore. That's not the point of this I know, podcast. We, we can't. We're not getting into that. We can't. I feel like we'll spend like three hours talking about it. Just watch comprehensive history. That's all. That's all I'll say. Yeah, that's that's all. That's all we'll say. So, all let's, right. Let's. We're moving on to the big one, boys. A hundred issues. Sonic the Hedgehog number one hundred. Why did it last this long? How did it you last know, this long? How many? How many more issues do we have to go? You mean like just of the main issue or in total? We have 190 comics left to go through. And that's just the main issue. We've got a, we've got way more than that, in all honesty. We have Sonic Universe. We have Sonic X. We have... Um, Stay tuned Wall for Street. that, by the way. Written by Carl Bowler's art by Lim. Sonic the Hedgehog number 100, the big 100. Let's just go. So Eggman walks out of a roboticizer, asking to see if his weeks of experimentation have finally paid off. There's an overlander strapped to the table, begging for mercy, and with a touch, instantly roboticized. Eggman just turned himself into roboticization King Midas. Very, very weird champ. Yeah, kind of weird champ, honestly. Like, And, right. and this is going to stay prevalent, by the way. Another thing that will... There, there's going to be some arcs revolving around this concept. See, I don't really like what, what happens with Eggman for like the next like 50 issues. Because the the problem is that I mean maybe I'm I'm jumping a little ahead of myself and I'm I'm probably not I'm, we're we're gonna talk more about it like as we get deeper and deeper mm -hmm, into the mm -hmm, comic mm -hmm. but like this concept that like he's forming this civilization centered around him and it's this weird surrealist like eugenics like perfect propaganda I I don't. It's just weird, and it feels very out of character. I, I will say, though, 
remember, think back to when uh, in issue 50, Robotnik was like fucking done and dusted. The man's got gamer. There's no way to bring him back. So they have to resolve it by bringing in Eggman from another dimension who was cemented by Snively at least that this Eggman is way more brutal than the Robotnik that you know. So yes, it's out of character for Eggman from the games, but we kind of have cemented that like, yeah, this Eggman is way more brutal than Robotnik and is definitely going to go the extra mile in his cruelty. In the lore of this comic, it's established. It's not coming out of nowhere. But I do agree with you as a Sonic the Hedgehog comic. No. 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 It's 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 definitely something also to remember and keep in mind. Because I think once we get past this little like godhood society building eugenics experiment arc that Eggman goes through for about 50, 60 issues. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Oh. That's when uh that's that's when that brutality gets kicked up to fucking eleven, and it's great. It gets real good. And uh, not to not to spoil anything, but like issue two hundred, that's when like that's when the spice goes into overdrive. We're getting some ghost pepper right there, and you know what? Oh yeah, we are. That's the, that's the good stuff. So anyway, meanwhile, Sally is evading Kodos's attacks, warn- noting that Arachnus told her. The, she knows where the sword is hidden now, as Sonic, Bunny, and Antoine look for the other freedom fighters. Sonic noticing the pass out Arachnus, as Nate tells Mina that he's going to World Metropolis to warn the Overlanders of the prolonged exposure to the toxins in the air. Sally goes to where Arachnus hid the sword in the deepest scar of the forest. Literally meaning that there is like some crevice ravine that she just threw the sword in. The enraged Kodos charges and knocks Sally into the into that crevice. And Sonic is on the edge, calls out to her for no response. Kodos tries to do the same to Sonic, but Bunny just flies in, knocking him out. Sonic, no emotion in his voice, just says, I'm, I'm going to get her. And Bunny offers to help him but doesn't even finish her sentence when light pours up from the bottom of the ravine. Nate, on the way to Robotropolis, gets captured by Shadowbots. Eggman's saying, well, when Sonic comes to rescue this guy, I'll just activate my energy beam trapping him inside. And then back in the Great Forest, the light that the Freedom Fighters saw, we end up seeing Sally elevated in an angelic glow, bathed in blue, a voice coming from the Sword of Acorn saying, the sword's vassal is unbreakable, and with a beam of energy, knocks out Kodos cold. This comes out of nowhere, by the way. I don't understand what is happening. Is, is Sally possessed by the sword now? I have many questions. I mean, I don't know. At this point, Speed, I'm just kind of numb to, like, whatever the fuck is going on. I'm just like, yeah, okay. Okay. Like, I, I've... That's, that's... When I'm like this, that's how you know, like, I've lost all interest. And, like, I'm, I'm running on fumes. Because the, the reality is that, like, it's... It... Yeah, it's another plot thread. whoopity d. Oh, okay. How many do we have running now? Ten? And that was... Well, an, and that's another issue of the Archie comics, by the way. There's so many constant plot threads that are just, like, happening at once uh, and which makes it very hard for a new reader to get into this so not only you, you have the you have the sonic plots right which are already like enough but then you also have to have the knuckle shit on top of it which is an inane amount of plot lines and bullshit there's too much there's way too anyways much. 
just just continue. I oh my god, this is this is brutal, man. Holy mm. shit. So yeah, Mina runs up to Sonic, uh, to which Sally gives her and Sonic the cold shoulder, and blah, blah, blah. tells him about Nate, which brings Sonic into action. Nate is brought to Eggman, asking him, "Hey, y- you're a smart guy, aren't you? Like, I'm gonna ha- give you a little puzzle to solve." Why are the Robians who get roboticized are still able to be mobile and controlled, whereas the Overlanders, when they're roboticized, they just, like, act like statues? Why don't you solve that for me? And Chuck is in the same room, finally breaks the facade, and says, maybe we just don't know when to give up, and takes Nate with him and Mutsky. The Freedom Fighters then arrive in Robotropolis. The team split to carry out their directives. Sonic, Tails, and Mina begin to go to find where Sonic thinks Nate is. Chuck and Nate are caught by Shadowbots, who are quickly smashed by Sonic, who's ecstatic to see Chuck again. And in the meanwhile, the rest of the Freedom Fighters find the warehouse where the Robians are kept, and thanks to the sword, all of their free wills are restored, Sally leading them back to Knothole in full view of the Overlanders. The FFs then leave the Robians to the city's edge, energy barriers still up, and Eggman mocks them for this, as the dome begins to wear out and lets the Freedom Fighters and Robians walk free. Sonic looks back, but can't fight Nate anywhere. Eggman's pissed and checks on Snively. He was the one who was asked to maintain the barrier. Finds him knocked out cold. Nate letting was the one who has let the energy barrier down. Eggman says, Nate will pay for this. He says, yeah, I know. As Eggman is slowly putting his hand over Nate's head. That's where that story ends. We still got the issue B of Ken Pender's Doing the double duty. Okay, I just, I need to point this out. This is the 100th Sonic issue, right? Right. You would assume for the 100th issue they'd do a double spread and they would kick the knuckle. Nope! Nope! Pender's gotta make sure that that knuckles is represented. Knuckles keeps and of go. course, we have an epic monologue about the, 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 the history of the knuckles plotline. Meanwhile, what did, what did Sonic get? The, the usual, you know, it yeah. it really just feels like another story. Like this is the natural continuation of what was happening. Which, all right, yeah, like this is a comic book. What did you expect? But like, really, for issue one hundred, you're not gonna kick kick it up a notch. You're not gonna you're not gonna give it like at least the full bearing and leave the knuckles stuff for one on one. Okay, all right, Ken Penders. I don't know what the fuck kind of pull you have at Archie to pull shit like this off, but you know what? Who am I to question anymore? I, I just, I can't, I can't muster the, the energy or the strength. And in this moment with, 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 with the, with the issues we've, we've done, it just, it just feels like, like what, what is, what's the, what's the point, right? Why, why would, why would we go into a whole rant? For what? The fourth time? For the fourth time! Because it's, you know what it's like? It's like it's like the issue that people have been having with Marvel films for years now. Where they feel like they're corporate and mass produced and people have said their pieces on it continuously. And nothing ever changes because they sell and they make money. Mm-hmm. Here we have something very similar except we're two guys on the internet looking at old ass comics and just being mentally exhausted by it. So fuck this shit. Fuck Ken Penders. I'm not I'm not I'm not doing a rant. I don't need to. What's the point? We're just gonna bring up the same shit ever. It's mm. an exposition dump. It's an allegory. It's all just the same bullshit that we've that we've been talking about for several issues now. It's it's 
Yeah. It's, Anyways. And you know what? Like, actually, this story, it's really just a Ken Pender smorgasbord. Everything we've ever said, that's kind of the issue here. Like, it's all here. Lane Dobb brings Julie Sue to the bridge. She's pissed that she's related to her. Dimitri tells Knuckles, the firing of the quantum beam put the floating island in some other zone. Honestly, I didn't expect you to be alive. Knuckles, I, Knuckles demands Dimitri... Bring the island back, motherfucker. Dimitri says, hey, you want to talk to me like that? I have all the cards here. That's where Julie Sue comes into the bridge. She's shocked to see that Knuckles is all green. Happy to see him nonetheless. And Knuckles says, I'm willing to... Dimitri says he's willing to play along with Knuckles' demands in exchange for cooperation. If Knuckles joins the Dark Legion as his subordinate, he'll happily bring the flowing island back as with its inhabitants. Julie Sue is like, hey, Knuckles, bro, like, don't don't take this deal. Like, it's not good. These, these ain't good folks. Dimitri says, why not? Why not join us? We're not asking you to sell your soul, bro. Like, hey, come on. Outside the ship, Tobor breaks out of the Twilight Zone, happy to be back, but sees the situation as a problem. As Kragok comes from the behind to attack him again, body slams him on the exterior of the ship. To which Tobor screams, if I must die to end the madness of Dimitri's followers, so be it. The slam kills both Kragok and Tobor, as Tobor's soul is being guided by his father Hawking to the other side. The slam also knocked out the quantum cannon. Knuckles asking, what can I do to save my friends? Dimitri says, well, I don't know what you can do. I can give you direction. I can give you guidance from my experience with the chaos energy. But my way is not the way of your side of the family. But Knuckles is willing to entertain the thought. Dimitri takes this as a yes and gives him direct quote, Knuckles, welcome to the dark side. just want to say that Tobor's death honestly could have been kind of impactful. But it's completely and totally fucking ruined by the fact that his spirit comes out of his fucking body. And, um... Hawkins is that is that his Hawking. Is that his dance? Hawking. Hawking Hawking's fucking spirit fucking sends him to the Avroite. It's it's like the the image of Tobor lying dead is like that's okay. Yeah, it's right I feel, there. Like, I feel something, and then it's ripped away from me by this nonsense. Ken Penders is really just trying to have his cake and eat it too, unfortunately. And you know what? Okay, the big issue one hundred is that. Knuckles is joining the Dark Legion now. That's the big moment for the milestone issue. Okay, fine. It's trite. It's cliche. It's been done before. He has, you know, he has something that he needs. He's just doing this to make his ends meet. Okay, sure. And, you know, normally I would end it here on a milestone issue, but I'll I'll be honest. This next issue is very special and it's kind of fun. All right, so this is the this is the issue that interested me the most when I did my read through of this earlier today, because it's the it's it's probably one of the most unique issues in like all of like this comic, as far as I'm concerned, and how they execute it. So I think that we're gonna take this step by step. I don't think we should rush to this. I think we should we should actually go a little slower, mm-hmm. right? And don't worry, okay. my notes have reflected this. All right. So, can you... So, artist credits first? Sonic the Hedgehog number 101. Bowlers wrote, Lynn did the art. Let's just start off, why don't we? So, first thing to note, the art in this issue is actually not bad. There is some weird inconsistencies here and there, but overall, the art is solid. Energy Dome goes up around the city after everyone has basically escaped. Sonic is freaking the fuck out. Where's Nate? Where do we go? Sonic's like, fuck it, I've got to go back inside. He rushes in. 
He hits the energy barrier. Tails asks if he's okay, and he's just about to respond. When? Everything changes. Everything changes. Sonic and Tails have returned to their iconic classic designs. And they are now in the OVA continuity. Mecha Robotnik speaks of, You fools will regret coming to the land of darkness. Sonic and Tails throw quips back. Robotnik, in his now classic design, with a couple different colors, you know, to differentiate, says Sonic and Tails having a prayer. Once Metal Robotnik sends them scurrying back to the land of the sky, nothing on planet freedom will prevent me from marrying you, Princess Sarah. This was a shock, because I did not expect this at all. It's one of the strangest left hooks this comic has given me. And it's a good hook. Mm-hmm. This finally feels like, oh, wait, remember the other aspects of Sonic? Forget the games now. We're now in, like, OVA territory. Fantastic uh, story from the OVA. Lo- love it to bits. I watch it yeah, at least once a OV- year. OVA is, 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 a, is, a, is a ball. If we're, if we're going we're gonna to touch on it, right? We can talk about it a little. Yeah, yeah. Sonic OVA is very much its own thing, but it's cute. It's fun for, a, for, for an hour-long OVA. It's very, very, very well-paced, well-executed. It's pretty good for what it is. Mm-hmm. To have this continuity just, like, thrust in our face, literally, and everything changes, all of reality has, like, come back around this. It's like, oh, what in the name of God is going on right now? Am I having fun again? Wait, I'm feeling something, right? Sonic, Tails are fighting Mecha Robotnik. They're, they're going through the motions, you know. Sonic says, you know, let's go to Robotropolis and rescue the princess, right? And, you know, Knuckles with his big hat shows up. You know, Hat Knuckles, the fucking base hat. The base hat appears, right? Knuckles punches through the chest of a Metal Robotnik, disabling Robotnik. it. Right. And then more, more Metal Robotniks show up. And then just when I got it covered, bam, another shift. The king and the royal family are welcoming Lock the Echidna and his son Knuckles, guardian of the floating island of Mobiltropolis. It marks the seventh anniversary of our alliance with the Echidnas. And to honor it, I dub thee Sir Knuckles, my future son-in-law. Right? Mm-hmm. Sonic runs off. The design is mildly different from Tails. Looks like a mix. Mm-hmm. Tails, interestingly, also talks to his father. He says, Miles, your mother and I need to speak with you. Sonic is kind of in disbelief by this, saying, Princess Sally and Nux, I mean, who could have seen it coming? From the day old Redlock showed up with her long-lost mom and brother, the two of them have been real close lately. But I thought Sal and I had a special bond, too. Who could have seen it coming? Me, I guess. What's interesting is that the events have clearly shifted. It's the same general timeline, but things are, are taking these weird, like... Deviations, I would deviations. say. Deviations. And we're going to get to that. Like, this this universe deviates because ne- following we have a scene with Uncle Chuck in his chili dog shop, to which Chuck explains that this is a world where the initial coup never occurred. It was stopped before it could begin. Julian was arrested, and as a result... All of the freedom fighters have lived generally normal lives. Which is really unique because 
Sonic Tails, Sonic still has a speed and and, ta- and and things things have been generally very very calm. And it's interesting because I think this is one of the very first instances we see Uncle Chuck in his humanoid state while he's old, right? Probably. You know? We probably saw it like in the much earlier issues, but like yes, you are correct. Sonic says, you know, Tails' dad nipped Warlord Julian's coop in the bud, like just you said. Knuckles' dad returned Queen Alicia and Prince Elias. Antoine's dad served the House of Acorn for years. I just can't help but feel like I'm the kid whose dad is a bot. You'll find, and then Uncle Chuck replies, you'll find Sunny Boy that more often than not, unofficial ties can count for more. And that's where Sally comes in, embraces Sonic. Like, they're still friends. That's the point here. In this timeline, they are still friends, and... It's just that Sonic clearly has like a lot of unresolved feelings about Sally and I and it's feelings that were never able to cultivate as a result of them not having to become freedom fighters, which I don't know. I feel like that says a lot, don't you think? I think that it's an interesting scenario because a, a lot of the time in these comics we we are consistently given this representation of Sonic as the everyman, the big hero. But this reality sort of flips it and he's more just a guy yeah who's living and he and sally are just close friends and i think i think that's a more interesting perspective i i also really 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 have to give it to to the art team on this one because we've we've been talking a lot about how fucking awful the art has been in some of these issues but really this issue in particular i don't know why but it's everything's on model the close-ups look good. The mouths look okay. It, it looks like they're putting in a lot of effort here. It's it's noted. It's really good. I I I'm impressed. I mean, the fact that it took this long to be like sincerely impressed it says a lot. But yes, you're absolutely right. I really do enjoy this, and I do enjoy these alternate scenarios that were being presented, even though they are just sort of like we're giving it to you and then we're taking it away. It does give a lot of like a lot of things to think about like what if sonic just lived a normal life like now he's he still obviously has a super speed i'm sure he feels very complicated feelings over the fact that his dad is a lifeless machine effectively but ironically enough this is the only way that his dad can remain alive so on that point on that point everything shifts yet again so now it seems like we're in some sort of sad am yeah we're in a sad am episode basically yeah, Dr. Ivo Robotnik appears in his Jim Cummings design, fully fleshed out, uh, demanding that he and Sally give back the Flora Terminus file. They basically say, uh, fuck it, we're out. Ready when you are, Sonic? Sure, Doc, just let me, just let me okay my surrender with the princess. And they jump. Antoine and Bunny, uh, catch them in their ship, uh, along with Rotor, and they make it. Robotnik curses the day. And then Sonic says, well, Sally says, this isn't right. What's not right? Sonic replies, any of this. Sally's like, last night I dreamed I was engaged to a red echidna named Sonic replies Knuckles. Says, I had the same dream. Yes, how did you know? Sally says, my parents are still alive and I had an older brother, Sonic. I feel like it's partly true. And then Sonic said, me too, Sal, me too. Shifts again. Now we get to the darkest timeline. Truly the darkest. Sonic is now staring at a picture of Sally as he is crying. His parents come in, say it's time. 
the entire Freedom Fighter crew, along with Amy, go to Sally's grave as the image of Sally falling from the tower plays. Where there was no decoy, she died. And then reality shifts again. And it seems like we're back to issue 50. Sonic has just defeated Robotnik permanently. Sonic's saying, this is complete bogus. Sally didn't die, I remember now. And then Tails is like, you feel alright, Sonic? And he says, she was right. We're not supposed to be here. We're leaving Robotropolis, taking the roboticized Mobians home, and Sally's there with us. And once more, we're back. Right? We're back. Everything's back to normal. Bunny says that she feels like she's been dreaming a few weeks. Sally's like, yeah, reality's been reverted. And then Sonic's like, whoever's got to be behind this has got to be way past powerful, right? And then Tails is like, you think it's Robotnik? And Nate's like, no, he doesn't operate that way. The shifts appear to be random and short-lived. Robotnik would never attempt this unless he could guarantee the outcome to be in his favor. The reality that Sonic is in right now technically still isn't the right reality because as you can remember from the last issue nate was trapped behind the dome but in this reality nate is in front of the dome so uncle chuck basically says i'm afraid if these shifts continue then they could very well threaten the fabric of the space-time continuum rotor says but they've stopped and things are back to the way they're meant to be except for nate Mm -hmm. so what are we going to do sonic sonic basically says fuck it we got no other choice but to go home any move would endanger the roboticized mobians and then sonic said Nate sacrificed himself so that we'd all be free. There's nothing we can ever do to repay or change that. And that was the that was the issue. That was the main story. The main say. story. So that is probably one of the best main issues we've had in a very long time. Mm-hmm. I think what I think what makes it really interesting is obviously the fact that it presents us with so many different scenarios and outcomes and shows us so many different realities including the OVA reality, which is obviously fucking awesome, right? And actually, here's a fun little fact. Uh, Carl Bowlers was not allowed to use the OVA reality. You know, like, copyright issues, yada yada, but uh, he wasn't really reprimanded for it. Like, I think he just got, like, a slap on the wrist and say, don't do shit like this again. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, okay. that's that was the worst of it, but... That's just a fun little fact for you. A little behind-the-scenes trivia. Yeah, you're right. All these alternate scenarios are being present, and they inadvertently at least made me think, okay, we have a good insight to like what Sonic's character could be. The OVA reality was really just more for fun. But then we're having these alternate realities of one where a Robotnik's coup never occurred or was able to be stopped before it began. They're living normal lives. They're all doing, you know living normal life things and as a result sonic kind of feels inadequate as a person just for a lot of different reasons then we shift to another reality of just just a flux of like okay i'm connecting the dots here this doesn't feel right and then we finally realize in the scene where they're all grieving sally's death and i guess the heartbreak of it all was just too much for sonic and realize yeah, no, this is all bullshit. Uh, Sally is with us in Robotropolis. We're taking Robians back to Knothole. This isn't right. And that is what caused everything to snack back 99% at least. I, I think that ultimately, like, the, the thing that really makes this issue special and kind of interesting is that it feels like when when we talked earlier about the problems with, with how this this comic handles Sonic's character... A lot of it comes down to how it's portrayed and represented and the scenarios that is given to us. 
because we we can empathize with Sonic in a lot of different ways in other mediums because Sonic goes through very different and very varying scenarios, right? But the problem with this comic is that often the scenarios that are at play they're not set up in a in a in a way that makes sense, in a way that that feels earned or special or unique or or anything about them that feels different or interesting, right? Mm-hmm. It just feels like schlock. This is an exception. This is scenarios where it really feels like the writers took their time and really thought about what would happen if X or Y played out and how would it affect Sonic most of all out of everyone, right? And how would how would his life be different, right? How would the characters' lives be different? How how would things turn out, mm. right? And this is something that is attempted again in a later story arc um, that attempts to use the future as a as a medium. Uh, uh, we'll let's just say we'll get, yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, I don't like it. I think it's bad. Mm. But I think that there is some legitimately good introspection on Sonic's character. And I think that it is important right now. And this this can this kind of shit can make the love triangle work. Because there's a clear emphasis on Sally. There's a clear emphasis with all these stories on how Sally affects Sonic as a person. That, to me, is way more interesting than Sonic wanting to fuck some random God knows who. How, how does Sonic... How is Sonic affected by Sally? How is Sally's inclusion in Sonic's life affect him? That's what makes it interesting. Yeah, definitely. That was the central core out of all these things is that Sonic definitely has strong feelings for Sally. So if this can move forward to just be like, okay, I think Sally genuinely is the one for me, blah, 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 blah. Using this as an introduction, at least for the reader to go... They can read this and go, okay, Sally is clearly a very, very important person to Sonic, which leads the me, the reader, to believe that something will happen that will resolve this weird little love triangle, which, now that I speak it out loud, makes this whole thing feel redundant, but that's too much. That's too exactly. much at this point. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. But, but like, that's, that's the problem. We're presented with this whole deal. This whole, this whole introspective, this whole introspective like issue, and then it's it's never really expanded upon, and that's horrible. Yeah, they 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 set up a good foundation, and they're not going to do anything with it, which is the story of these early issues. But this will go on for some time, but not for too much longer. I'll just leave it at that. I'll just leave it at that, and let's transition to the story B with. Ken Pender's writing and a new artist by the name of Don Best. She's doing the art. Right off the last story, Julie Sue is pissed with Knuckles siding with Dimitri, but Knuckles says the reason why he thinks was actually because of Tobor. He felt like for just a split second he was in his head and could only feel anger coming from him. Everyone's been fighting for generations and going nowhere, but maybe Dimitri has some answers. Maybe we can bridge something here. Lane Daw says she doesn't know why Knuckles would side with them. But Dimitri says, hey, hold, hold yourself, hold your tongue, hold your thoughts. Because, you know, you think Knuckles might be able to read mine. So, like, be, be vigilant, girl. Lane Daw and Dimitri then come to Knuckles, the latter asking for advice. 
What can I do with my powers, Dimitri? To which he replies just like, literally anything, bro. Like, you have the power of the chaos armor. Like, you're a god, man. Like, you li- like bro, you can literally do anything. Like, if you just want to, like, go eat a taco, eat a taco. Yeah, man. And Knuckles asks, oh, so does that mean I'm capable of time travel? Dimitri says, oh, yeah, like, maybe you are. I ne- That's something I never tried, but, like, yeah, you know, that's... Give it a fucking shot, buddy. Knuckles wants to restore things to the way they used to be. Direct quote. And asks Dimitri, how do I do this? What do, what do I do? I need your help. And Dimitri says, uh, what do you mean my help? This is all you. Just concentrate and it will happen. Knuckles does so. And he goes back in time to before the White Comet was to hit Echidnaopolis. And shoots a chaos beam to it. Destroying it. Knuckles celebrates this extremely time-altering thing, but an earthquake hits, which levels the city as a result, and we see Knuckles being torn apart molecule by molecule, and Knuckles pops back to his original standing point, to which Dimitri says, Yeah, that shit, that's why I never tried time travel. Too many variables can occur before you get the result you want. And look, listen, Knuckles. You have three real chances of this... What you want to do being accomplished. You already used up one. So what are, you want to use up your other two or you want to hear me out? And that's the end of Sonic number 101. All right. I'll say it right now. This is kind of intriguing. Kind yeah, of. My interest kind is of. peaked. It really is. The fact. Okay. So obviously the Chaos Knuckles plotline is fucking dumb. And everyone. I think we can all agree that it's literally incredibly stupid. Mm-hmm. However, throwing Dimitri into the mix and now the fact that Knuckles has the ability to literally manipulate time and space. And the fact that Dimitri has a fundamental understanding of time travel and how these kinds of things can work leads to a much more interesting plot as a whole. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of intrigued, Penders. Make me care. Don't exposition dump me. Show me. Don't tell me. Show, don't tell. That's the fundamental rule of visual medium, a rule that Ken Penders disregards on a regular basis. We are, this, this is finally at the last issue. We're Holy at the shit. last issue at like what? Almost two and a half hours in. I told you it was going to be a super episode, boys. Like I had to make up for lost time. Like, come on, come on, cut me some slack here. But hey, if you made it this far, you're getting some genuine, like, something that's actually pretty good. So you know what? For all two people listening at this point, thank you. You're the reason I'm doing this. We love you. Sonic number 102, uh, Bowlers and Limb, creative team. So the Freedom Fighters return to Knothole, Robians in tow, free will restored, countless families are reunited, including Sonic's with his Uncle Chuck. And Sally brings the sword back to her family, giving it to Elias. With the sword's voice saying, no, princess, don't leave me. Sally's surprised to this voice, but uh, doesn't have time to think about it as her mom tries to scold her for running off to get the sword. As Antoine comes in with his father, asking to have his father's free will restored. Elias takes the sword as the official, you know, de facto ruler of this, the kingdom at this point. He points the sword to the general, says, free will restore. Nothing happens, and... He just drops the sword immediately, held his head hung low, with King Max looking exasperated to Elias, and he just looks to Sally, and all he says is, do it. She takes the sword back, points a beam at uh, Decolet, free will restored, Antoine ecstatic that he has his father back. Meanwhile, in Robotropolis, we see Eggman and Snively leading a parade for the Overlander inhabitants. My man, Eggman... 
riding in the low rider. He's just vibing in the parade car, bro. Good for him. Good, Good for, for him. He's living his best life, I guess. Okay, we we gotta we gotta back up. We gotta back up. I want to quote this this dialogue directly. Eggman, I'm bored, and these drop top limo drivers always get me in that assassination frame of mind. And funnily enough, this is not even the only Sonic comic that references the JFK assassination. What? Yeah, that's going to be taken out of context, too. Yeah, in Sonic the Comic, there's a scene where, like, Eggman is leading a parade and Tails is, like, given, like, a shotgun by some horse dude. And it's just, like, saying, like, it's in the crosshairs. It's like, are you going to take, no! take the shot, Tails? Are you going to fucking take the shot? I can't believe it. Sonic the Hedgehog killed JFK. We finally found it. We, there was, in fact, another... <laughs> Fuck it, whatever. This joke's not funny. Anyway... So yeah, the sleeper agents are activated with a push of a button. It's done. In Castle Acorn, King Max is given Elias the talking to, saying, Why weren't you the one to restore the General's fee will? You embarrassed the family, you piece of shit, you worthless failure son. Yo, fuck! Just go back yo. on the fucking floating island, you piece of shit! Fuck you! Yo, yo, fuck King Acorn. He's literally a misogynist. Sally's like, okay... Look, we've all had a long day, Dad. Maybe she's... And then Sally's like, why? And then Kira's like, why do you always feel the need to take control of this situation? Like, fuck you! She's done infinitely more than you have, you cuck! At least her fucking legs still work. Bitch. Yeah, that's right! And, all, and by the way, while all this is happening, Jeffrey decides to interrupt and says, Hey, yo, your majesty, uh, can I take a leave of absence from the, the sleep for the, the, the fucking uh, Secret Service, please? Thank you. And Elias interjects saying that he wants to quit too. The whole ruling thing, this was never meant for me. I don't know. I don't want to do this anymore. The whole of the Secret Service in that moment is now doubled over in pain. Heavy releases a whole bunch of bomb bodies at the same time, saying the pain is due to the nanites in the bloodstream from when they were in Robotropolis. Eggman sends his regards. Sonic is just out walking with his family. Ask is just asked what's wrong elsewhere, and he runs, comes back, just saying, "Oh, there's trouble," with a capital T. Sonic takes Rotor and Tails to the castle, asking them to build some kind of gizmo to help get the royal family out, since Heavy and Bob has basically taken them hostage. Elias tries to continue the whole conversation regardless. Sally and her mom are in some other room as Sonic comes in for them. Heavy says, don't bother, for with every one bomb taken out, I can make ten more. And the castle is set to explode if you try anything, Sonic. And Sonic is like, oh, so all the bombs come from you, Heavy. Did he says, like, yeah, they immediately do. Immediately, Sonic trashes him and all the bombs are set to sleep mode. Problem solved literally instantly. As the Secret Service are cleaning up the bombs, Jeffrey doubles down on his leave of absence request, asking to undergo treatment to get the nanites out of their bloodstream. Afterward, Sonic goes back home and looks at childhood photos of his family, not before Tails comes in to make a new family photo. How, how cute and lovely. And at the final scene, Sally finds a letter from Elias saying, By the time you read this, I'll be long gone. I'm not fit to rule a kingdom. You should have just trusted Sonic's judgment from the beginning. All around, I failed. Sally should have been appointed ruler. I'm sorry I failed you. He's long gone. That's the end of this story. 
this is some bizarre pathos I didn't expect to get in my Sonic the Hedgehog comics. I'm not going to lie. Like, like, what do you mean? Like, it's just sort of like we've gone through so much nonsense. They don't even bother trying to evoke an emotion out of you. It's just all, like, shock jockey at best. And now we have a story of, like, Elias pouring his heart out of just, like, no, you're right. I'm not meant for this. This is not what I want to do. This is not what I want to be. Leave Sally in charge. She clearly knows what she's doing. She's clearly fucking meant for all of this. Goodbye. Leave me alone. It's it's soap opera writing. Like, there's no rhyme to it. There's no reason. It's just, it's on the seat of your pants. Okay. There's no thought. Oh, okay, we just the knuckle story. And we're the done. knuckle story and we're done. Ken Penders wrote and both Kenders and Don Best did the art. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Knuckles travels back in time for the second role. To when Dimitri and Edmund are giving their proposal to bring the floating island down to the surface. Knuckles possesses the magistrate to approve the plan. And quickly we move to the two in the Chaos Emerald Chamber and start the Chaos Siphon. To which Edmund starts to panic. The descent velocity is going faster than anticipated. And the island is destroyed. This leaves Knuckles to again feel like he's being ripped apart. And is brought back to the moment he jumped. Dimitri mocking him yet again in the process. Knuckles asks why these moments keep occurring, which leads Dimitri to believe that there are actually fundamental rules of nature which are acting at play here. If the comic wouldn't have destroyed Echidnaopolis, the earthquake would have. Dimitri miscalculated the velocity speed to bring down the island in the original plans, and if they got the approval, then the island would have been destroyed at the end of the day. We're basically getting into the whole, like timey-wimey mumbo-jumbo now. I mean, it's it's definitely, like, I do like that the acknowledgement of the idea of, like, the time is a flat circle idea, right? Where specific events in time will always happen because nature and time itself will predestine them to happen. No matter how many timeline splits you create, things will always happen. Which, you know what, is actually a very interesting thing to bring up, because if that is Ken Pender's genuine philosophy, we've already seen that in a previous issue. There was a story where, like, Sally was, like, given premonitions to see a long future. The long and short of it is that I got out of that story that Ken Penders himself must believe that, like, fate is certain, things are destined to happen, and unless very specific things occur, they cannot be moved away from and if that's his philosophy okay that's his that's his philosophy and it's being shown in these stories dimitri is outright saying here you have to be extremely specific when it comes to altering time because if not you're going to create a fucking horrible situation for yourself the fact that the floating island was destroyed means that your whole lineage was dead from the start you were never born and that's why you were molecules are ripping themselves apart because the timeline is trying to force itself into correction you can't just linger on like some ghost in a parallel world where you never never born that's not how this like universe works yeah which you know what like that's i can respect that that's a very interesting way to work time travel i mean i i can jeff i can genuinely say that that right now penders has clearly gripped us more than he has in any other fucking issue because he's actually because because okay here's the difference the exposition is used as a way to serve what we see we see these these events that knuckles is clearly trying to manipulate and then we have it explained to us in an interesting way in a back and forth dialogue right Mm -hmm. it's not like where you have someone telling you everything 
it's just so weird how out of nowhere it took what Ken like well over a hundred issues to just like get his shit together now. It's so weird, but I'm here for it. I'm not gonna lie, I'm here for it. Dimitri suggests to Knuckles go back in time to where the results will yield in either the positive or the negative. Don't try to horribly alter the timeline where the certain life path will never occur. You have to go to a specific point where either a plus or a minus will happen because you keep getting yourself into situations where fate will just alter the time stream. You can't do that. So Knuckles takes this information and goes back in time to when Edmund was assassinated by the Dark Legionnaire. So he stops the Dark Legionnaire from killing Edmund, and as a result, Knuckles' body starts to become robotic. Slowly but surely, he is becoming roboticized, and even starts to say, it's getting hard to think, I can't process what's going on, and then snap back to reality, he jumps back to the moment where he jumped yet again. To which Dimitri says, yeah, for like a split second, I felt like... I felt like we were all robots and we were at a, a Robotropolis. Because of the death of Edmund, the creation of the Brotherhoods of Guardians created this isolationist policy of do not fuck with the outside world and do not let the outside world fuck with us. We are echidnas. We will deal with echidna problems ourselves. We do not need to get involved with the outside world. And as a result, that protected them from Robotnik's initial invasion. And without that, Robotnik was able to storm the floating island and roboticized all the echidnas. As a result, Dimitri figures that with the past out of the question, we can only look to the future. And we haven't tested your powers, Knuckles, to see if you can reverse the effects of the quantum beam. That's the end of uh, 102. That's the end of all the comics we've gone. We've made it. Oh my god, we're done. Holy shit. We've made it. I was not kidding when I said this was a super episode, boys. We have almost been going... For three hours. We are at two minutes and 43... Wait, no. Two minutes. Two hours and 43 minutes. Oh, my lord. Um, <sighs> well... I... I, I to, to close, I just want to say... There are so many issues in here that just... Were awful. Yeah. Were so bad. It was, it was the roller coaster ride of emotions. We had genuinely good issues that had really had us thinking... But they were backlogged with all this, like, standard Archie Sonic nonsense. Okay, we get it. The writing here is dumb and bad. This is a soap opera. This is unnecessary. Ken Penders is being grandiose with his ideas and flaunting on the execution yet again. Blah, de blah, de blah, de blah. And now we finally get to a point where, like, we have a natural conclusion to everything we've talked about so far. But also... Like, something actually genuine. Like, at least with, like, the end to 101 with Elias running away. Yeah, it's tripe, but, like, shit. At least it made me feel something. And at least with the story of, like, Ken Penders finally using his exposition abilities to tell a situation where Knuckles is fucking around with reality. And if you couldn't make the connection, all of the... All of reality being twisted around in the beginning of issue 101 was because of knuckles learning of his abilities all of these like timeline oddities was knuckles fucking with uh time in reality fun fun like, i'm not gonna lie like a little bit of a sleeper but I-, I feel like we ended strong i feel like we ended strong yeah i agree
I'm very tired. So Archie Sonic the Hedgehog is mentally taxing. I hope you guys are enjoying listening to this because I've come to learn that it is infinitely more fun to hear someone talk about these comics than to actually read them and explain them because it's just... I, I wonder why. I wonder why. Irregardless, we've been your host of the Archie Sonic Digest. You know, if you feel so inclined to do so... Support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash sonicspeed. You'll get a little extra goodies. Got a green screen behind me. You've you've seen, there's probably some memes going on behind here. How will you know, though? You gotta chalk up a little bit. You'll get some good stuff in return. Enjoy the show. And hey, genuinely, I'm having fun at the end of the day. For all the grips and trites, I am having a good time with the Sonic the Hedgehog comics. Begrudgingly so. They're exhausting mentally, but yeah, I'm having fun. And so on that note, uh, we'll leave you for the next episode, uh, the next normal episode of the Archie Sonic Digest, uh, with, I guess, some resolution to, uh, Knuckles figuring out the quantum beam bullshit. We'll fucking find out next time. See you then, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye.